what's up everyone? Gazale Orelli here, new episode of the Gomu Luka podcast. And this one is a very special one for me. I've been looking forward to this um, all year. And by that, I mean 2020. Um, I really wanted to do this um, on my birthday um, for people that know, or sorry, <laughs> that don't know. And December 11th is my birthday. So I wanted to do something special instead of like, um, yeah, asking for, you know, that, that feature on Facebook that you ask people to uh, donate to your favorite charity. And like, um, I wanted to do something different. I, instead of like, um, yeah, asking for something, I wanted to give something to, to, um, particularly in, particularly indigenous peoples. So, um, all year long, I've been thinking about something. I've been reading on an idea and, um, yeah, which culminated into, um, this, special birthday episode um where in which i brought in pacific people um in a four hour one-on-one marathon i brought them in from all over all over the region from australia hawaii uh, new zealand um sorry uh, sorry um Aotearoa, new zealand uh, guam you name it um from all walks of life uh, all answering one question where is indigenous knowledge going right now? Um, so I thought it would be a nice birthday gift for me with my peers to the entire world um, because I'm based in Europe. Like It was a midnight until 4 a.m. mission for me, but I loved it. I, I loved every second of it. Um, so I hope that uh, my birthday gift to you, um, that you find value in it. So up next... Um, this special birthday episode of basically how to indigenous now um, on indigenous knowledge from Pacific perspective. Enjoy. This is the Gomaluku podcast. All right, we're live. Um, Tabea, um, kia ora, um, Vinaka, everyone. Thank you so much for joining with us. We don't have a lot of time. We have four hours uh, of, of amazing guests, so we're going to, we're going straight into it. Um, we're dealing with um, some issues with Dr. Rosiana Langi right now, so we'll hopefully she come back. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to fix it. Uh, we'll try to fix some things. But we have with us right now um, Auntie Arohamid. Um, Aroha, Auntie. Um, I know you have to hop on a plane in a, in a, in a little bit, um, so we'll jump right into it. Uh, where is indigenous knowledge going right now? It is a very, it can be a very complex question. Um, when you first read that question, what went through your mind? How did you synthesize that question? Oh, well, I looked at it in terms of things that are happening with, within our own community, so at the cultural level, but then also some of what's, what's um, playing out at the global level and in terms of national policy. But if I look at the cultural level, I mean, there are so many examples of Indigenous peoples who are continuing to do all that is possible um, to teach and transmit Indigenous knowledge, values and practices to our future generations within the constraints of the colonial context in which we live. Um, and this includes reasserting greater control over those areas, uh, particularly socio-economic areas where our people have languished. 
such as the education system, the justice system, state care of our children, the health care. And in reasserting greater control, what we're seeing is that it's our knowledge. It's our Indigenous knowledge and practices that is the key to um, moving forward and to bringing about the kind of change we need to see um, to, to get better outcomes for our people. But mm -hmm. at the heart of it all is the continued um, priority for restitution and restoration of our ancestral lands. There's a report here in New Zealand from the Waitangi Tribunal um, called Koawati at all Tene, where they actually say that, um, you know, we can sustain maybe two generations without direct access and contact with our lands. But by the third generation, it deteriorates to a point of loss. And we need access to the lands because those are where the resources are that feed our knowledge systems. Mm -hmm. It is the interaction that we have with nature, with our with our sacred areas that feeds all of what makes us who we are. It inspires us in our arts and creative fields, but it also has quite practical uses in terms of access to our medicines and our traditional ways of life. So um, we're, we're at, gener in New Zealand, we're at generation three right now. Mm -hmm. And so that push for restitution of lands is more important than it has ever been. Um, Auntie, when, when it comes to, uh, you've been a, considered by many, a veteran in, in, in Indigenous rights movement. Um, in your 30 years of, of experience, um, how do you see the, the perception of Indigenous knowledge? Um, obviously, before it was mainly considered traditional knowledge. Now we're moving a little bit towards indigenous knowledge. That development, um, how are you looking at it? Well, it, it has, um, there's heightened interest in indigenous knowledge. And there is a greater understanding that there's a distinction between traditional and indigenous knowledge. Um, so I guess we should be glad that at least the world has be become more, more nuanced, more sophisticated. But with that heightened interest comes some concerns that if, if the behaviours that fed the systemic issues around the conduct of science and research aren't addressed, then we'll see the same thing playing out. We already do in the area of Indigenous knowledge where you have non-Indigenous researchers um, claiming to be experts um, where they are still following an extractive model of research, of just taking for their own gain and not giving anything back to communities. And I think it's really important that we, um, you know, remain vigilant uh, in taking a stand that our knowledge comes with us. It's not separate from us and to not allow any anyone to separate communities from the knowledge that they're wanting to access and research. Mm -hmm. um, also, um, in terms of um, you've, you've been working with IUCN as as well, and oh, any any things that make you either go uh oh in terms of indigenous knowledge or something that you like that you 
really looking forward to that can develop over the next couple of years? So, sorry, Auntie, you're on, you're on mute, so I, I, I can't hear you right now at the moment. Yeah. Right. Did you mean um, just in general at the international level, are we seeing sort of bright spots where knowledge, indigenous knowledge is being used? Yeah, for example. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think within it bears within the intergovernmental platform on biodiversity and ecosystem services there's potential for some good things to happen in that space that currently are uh, involved in producing an assessment on using multiple values of nature um, and multiple values and valuation of nature which inevitably includes indigenous knowledge uh, but i think it always you know we always have that nagging doubt that the, the the basic fundamental issue that knowledge comes with the people and commitment to to knowledge is about commitment to the people um i don't know if we're making as much progress on that front as we should i think western science global processes they're they're obsessed with this notion of scaling up and you know it's an immediate response almost that if they see something they like in a local community, they want to scale it up to a community on the other side of the world or to a whole country. And of course our knowledge wasn't designed for that purpose. It works best when it's place-based and people-based and, and that it's enabling and empowering of the communities from which the knowledge comes Think we've got a long way to go in that area and as i've said as i said previously we really have to be vigilant about always insisting the people go with the knowledge it's not a field in itself in other words i can't hear you mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm 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 prone to to um, rattle off uh, very very quickly. Uh, apologize. Um, any um, yeah, I'm 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 notorious for making diplomatic full pause and doing stuff like that. So I apologize for that, um, Auntie. Um, any final thoughts? We're running out of time. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts that you would like to share with people? You want people to think about or, or consider when it comes to indigenous knowledge. Um, that there's a reason that our knowledge has survived through all of the trials and tribulations that it has. Our knowledge is grounded in, in a whole ethical, social, cultural framework that works. It's not a fad, it's not a fashion, it's something that has enabled our people to be resilient and survive. And it really, this is our job. This is our number one job, is to take care of our knowledge. And to um to always be the leaders in this field not the participants so indigenous knowledge is the area that we control that we lead that we make the decisions about who we share it with and under what circumstances and let's not um bow down to somebody else who might want it uh, it comes with us the people 
uh, Auntie Oroha, um, uh, Namihi for your korero um, and um, safe flights. Uh, um, <laughs> Thank you. And, um, um, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll talk soon in, in, in a much broader context of going. Okay, then. Kia ora. Good luck with all of this. Kia ora. <laughs> Bye. All right. Um, that was number one. Um, so, supposedly, first guest is now um, Dr. Rosa Langi. Um, Dr. Rosa, um, I, was, I was super impressed with you at the um, at the workshop in Tuvalu, uh, which was what was held in 2018. You brought up such a uh, very deep, profound knowledge about indigenous knowledge, comma traditional knowledge. So when it came to this whole format, the first person that I wanted to have on, like would love to have on the show, was was you, uh, Dr. Rosa. Um, so let's jump right into it because I have I know that you have a lot of things to talk about. Um, um, where where is indigenous knowledge, comma traditional knowledge, going right now? Um, what were your first thoughts when you uh, read that question? Oh, um, yeah, there's so all right, Auntie Rosa, uh, Dr. Rosa, I, I don't think that we can, that we're hearing you. We're trying to fix something. Thank you so much, Vetka, for being so vigilant. Yes, well, and I can see you're back. Yeah, that's too bad. It's the, the the image is like frozen right now. I, I, I we can't even hear. Um, Dr. Rosa, at, at this point, we do have chat contact with her. Is what is, is what I'm seeing. Um, hoping or oh, there's some movement. Um, but still no no audio. Dr. Rosa is at the is um is um. Yeah, campus director at the University of the South Pacific and based out of in out of Tuvalu at the moment, um, Fijian or origin. Um, and yeah, we're, we're trying to get um, contact. We have some movement um, um, in terms of image, but in terms of if uh, of audio, I can't like it's um, and I'm not hearing anything, unfortunately. So I think. Um, Dr. Rosa, maybe you can um, maybe connect and disconnect your audio and video. Maybe 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 that can help. Well, we'll try different things. We have uh, we have some time, and oh, that's. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's no no movement at the, at, the, at this point, in terms of I can I can see you, Dr. Rosa. Um, you can hear me loud or clear, so so that's good. Um, the the problem is that we cannot hear you um, at all, or um, and there's I can see like frames frame by frame, but like there's. 
well, it seems like there, there's there's some movement. Um, I'm, I'm, well, um, hopefully, hopefully that that the that the connection helps out a little bit. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, like like I so like I said. Um, so we'll, we'll wait a little bit until until Dr. Rosa um her connection um like fixes up a little bit. Um, so like I said, 2018, we were both invited um to a a workshop on climate change induced um migration uh, held in Funafuti uh, Tuvalu in 2018. Uh, for 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 two weeks, and wow! Now now I'm big, um, and that um, yeah that workshop, Dr. Rosa was um, um, yeah very very good at explaining the 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 strength of indigenous knowledge, comma traditional knowledge, and um, how it can be observed and protected and um, like been able to. Um, explain it in a very good way. Um, can you? Can you? Are you with us right now, Dr. Rosa? All right. Um, okay. Um, maybe Svetka, you, you you can you can do some magic behind the scenes, uh, maybe a little bit, um, to to bring on bring in Dr. Rosa. And I'm I'm also very much aware that Dr. Rosa doesn't have a lot of time um, right now. Um, I see, do see Auntie Lilikala um, with us. Um, Auntie, if you're if you're okay that we bring in a little bit early, um, you can talk a little bit longer or talk about, talk a bit shorter. Um, um, we're just trying to fix um, the connection with uh, Doctor Doctor Rosa. I see you not. I, I see you nodding, uh, Auntie. Um, mahalo, uh, aloha for 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 being with us. Um, um, a, uh, when it comes to indigenous movement, Pacific indigenous movement. Uh, within definitely within the international scene, Auntie Lilikala is, is one of the persons that you easily gravitate towards. That you recognize as being the the uh, of the bedrock of the Pacific Indigenous movement at the international level. Um, Auntie Aloha, um, from from me to you. Um, um, let's jump right into it as well. We have a little bit more time, though, so you can explain explain a little bit more. Um, when it comes to indigenous knowledge, um, what do you see? Uh, wh wh where do you see it going? Well, actually, uh, now that I'm a senior professor and I don't do admin anymore, I've devoted my whole life now to ancestral knowledge, hmm. the specific Polynesian ancestral knowledge. And I sent to you some of the um, uh, flyers that we have for what we're doing. We're doing a weekly webinar every Wednesday night which is open to the world to see about ancestors. So we look at who are the ancestors that begin the world? Who are the ancestors that, um, uh, let's see, who are the ancestors that uh, tell us how to live? Who are the ancestors that we have, um, sometimes it's Earth Mother, Sky Father, sometimes it's the ocean. And then what do the stars teach us? And how do we do certain ceremonies by stars? So when the Pleiades are rising, you know, that's um, right between the September equinox and then it's gonna, we're gonna come up to the winter solstice. That brings a new kind of rainy weather, the earth becomes renewed, etc. Very important in Polynesia. 
So we see this happening in different parts of Polynesia. Every Wednesday night we're talking about it. We're allowed to have our last show for before Christmas, and then we're going to move into uh, January. January 27th, we'll start up our shows again. We're going to finish up all about navigational stars and earth stars. And then we're going to look at temples that were built to measure the sun movement from summer winter solstice to equinox to summer solstice and back. Because mm -hmm. that tells us how the weather changes. So what are the ancestors' ideas about these things? What kind of food do we plant at any one of those times? You know, and I have, uh, so I have a website, a Zoom that I'm doing. But also I have... Um, I have um, a website where you can watch all of those. So if you'd like to, I can talk about those things. I'm offering sure. a course next semester on this as well. And you don't have to be registered to the university. You just let me know that you want to be involved with the course, and I'll put you on uh, my web, and you, you'll get the notices for everything that's happening. We're going to discuss all of the videos I've done since June. Uh, let's see. Last night was number 26 video about all ancestral ideas from Hawaii, Tahiti, Aotearoa, New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa, Cook Islands, uh, Marquesas, Rapa Nui, and uh, the Tuamotus. What I'd like to do after we go through our, our topics, including moon calendar, I want to find out what about Maluku people of Indonesia, <laughs> right? I want to have you come and talk about your folks' culture. I understand that one of the Indonesian words for Pleiades is um, mataligi. There, there's, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? So cousin, right? But what about Southeast Asia? Where, you know, that the whole dragon uh, uh, lizard motif is has to do with fresh water. Or what about the Inca people in Peru? The capital of Peru is called Lima, which is the number five. In Southeast yeah. Asia, in Indonesia, and all of Polynesia, even in, even in Filipino languages, okay. So I wanna I wanna expand and start to talk to people when we're building temples. There's temples all over the world that our ancestors built a thousand, two thousand years ago that measure the movement of the sun. Mm. Is that cool? Those things are fun, right? So yeah. now that I'm old, I don't do politics anymore. I left that for the young people. <laughs> I'm only doing ancestral knowledge. <laughs> So, uh, would you like me to share the, my fly, uh, flyers? Can you make me co-host for a minute? I can share with you. Uh, yeah, you can, you can share a screen. That, that is what you can. Um, if it's, it's in the bottom of the thing, you can. can meanwhile, yeah. So, so any any takeaways from 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 your from your from your webinars, seminars that, um, yeah, that that are interesting. I clicked on share screen. Can you see my flyer? No. Oh, let's see. Try it again. Share screen. Okay. Share. Uh, entire screen. Application window. Okay, try that. <laughs> <laughs> share. <laughs> uh, maybe not. I'll have, maybe. A, I'll have a pineapple in between. That's okay. That's okay. You know what? That's all right. We just talk about it. Um, and I'll send those things to you and you can post it on your website if you'd like to or sure, not. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's a time for us to be looking at all of our ancestors as indigenous peoples because I'm finding old people who are not at university 
who are learned people in, in one little corner of the world in on an island in Polynesia know all this stuff. No, they haven't published a book. They're not being talked to by university people. And now we're getting them on video forever so that their knowledge is there forever. And that's mm. what I want. I want for all of our uh, indigenous peoples to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one question that comes a lot uh, across, and I would like to hear your, your thoughts a little bit, Auntie, is um, in terms of protecting indigenous knowledge, um, what are some easy, like entry level things to do uh, that, um, for example, from a non-indigenous indigenous side, I want to respect indigenous peoples and indigenous peoples themselves that want to start protecting indigenous knowledge. And any any initial thoughts that you have on the, on that point? I ask all of my presenters to put at the bottom of their slide, they do a PowerPoint. Every slide has says, um, uh, it says uh, uh, copyright by Lili Kala Kamei Lehiva 2020 or copyright by uh, Dr. Refiti, uh, uh, you know, 2020. So that mm -hmm. the name and the copyright is on every slide. Now, for the non-Indigenous who want to be able to refer to this information, Wonderful. What they do is they say, you know, Dr. Kamehilehiva said this, Dr. Refiti said that, Dr. Kaili said this. If you want to go look at it, go see it on the on the, the website. You can watch the video yourself and learn from it. That way we're respecting whoever owns it. Now I'm the host, I don't own it. It's the people who are speaking, the source of the knowledge, they own it. Right? That's their intellectual property. And it's for me as the host to respect that and to always say to them, hey, I don't have your copyright on the slide. And you know what? If they send it to me without the copyright, I put it in myself. <laughs> so they have a copyright. But I think uh, that's one way that we can share our knowledge with the world. Some people say, oh no, we don't want to tell anybody. No, no, no. We don't want to tell anybody about that. Uh, it only belongs to our people. Okay, that's your choice. You know, some people want you. But for me, I think our ancestors have something to teach us and the rest of the world. Now, after we go through all those ancestors, who the ancestors are, what are those stories about stars and temples? What about the earth and you know how we make take care of the water and that kind of thing? Then we're gonna move into how do we live sustainably for the next 40 years with global warming? Mm. We're gonna go back to the same guys who are talking, who are really learning from their place and ask them those kind of questions. So we're gonna segue into taking care of the land and what food that we will all um, um, need to grow. Because you mm -hmm. know, you, you cannot grow food from a grocery store necessarily in, your, in the yard. So what are the foods that our ancestors ate and what should we be growing and eating too? How do we take care of fresh water? On Oahu, we have a, a, a drought at the moment. Not enough water. They're telling us that to, to, to don't run the water, to flush it. Don't flush the toilet too often. We don't have enough water. How are we going to have 10 million tourists a year come to Oahu? We cannot. Mm -hmm. So we have to change the way we do the world. In fact, I'm a, I'm arguing that we should um, legalize marijuana and grow it as a medicinal crop and save the world from pain. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but how do we reserve the fresh water? And that's something we really need to talk about on small islands. And then the ocean. How do we make sure there's not plastic in the ocean or mercury in the ocean? Or can we really eat the fish anymore? Every little place, you know, from Tahiti 
to Aotearoa, to Tonga, to Samoa, to Rapa Nui, to Marquesas. Everybody has an idea about these things. And what's good for us, it's good for everybody. It's good mm. for everybody. Now, I know you have some experts coming on from Hawaii. Dr. Amuhiba. Yep. She's an expert. Fabulous. She runs a, a prayer session every mo mo morning from Monday to Friday uh, on prayers for healing and how to protect us from the pandemic. Really fabulous. And uh -huh. then um, Dr. Kamala Mella, who helps yep. with Dr. Nuhiva. She has a whole plan about how we reforest our islands so that we preserve water. You know, ancestral knowledge is fun. It's where it's at. So mm. I think... I think it's a really, really good time for us to be thinking about these things and figure out how we do it. Now, you know, uh, in two minutes, I have a class starting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's on, it's no, actually on uh, Hawaiian genealogy. We go through the 100 generations of Hawaiian chiefs before Cook arrived mm -hmm. and talk about all the stories on the different islands, etc. Again, I put out to all indigenous peoples. Can you write that down? Can you figure it out? Would you like to come into the class? Let me know. Lilikala at hawaii.edu. Okay, Lilikala at hawaii.edu. My first name at hawaii.edu without the, uh, any markings. And I'd be glad to talk with you and let you know more. And I love what you've done. And happy birthday. How only love now? Thank you so much. <laughs> I know your mother is looking down at you and very proud for all the good work that you do. And I want to send a shout out to Pelpina because I love her. I've always loved her. And, um, I can't wait for you to come to Hawaii again. I cannot wait, Auntie. I cannot wait to uh, to come back. Hopefully, when this whole COVID nineteen goes over, um, I can I can go back soon to 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 Hawaii and um, go to uh, yeah the usual places. Uh, kind of Kapila Grill. So it sounds sounds good. <laughs> right, right, right. Around, right around right around this time. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, so I love you guys, and yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop off to go and see my students. But any last question? Um, no, no, thank you. You we so you so so um, yeah. You unpacked everything, so uh, um, <laughs> definitely we'll, we'll put it. We'll put in the links to, to your seminars and flyers in, into the in, into the show notes and everything else, so people know about um, the seminars that they're hosting as well. Auntie, um, um, mahalo, mahalo nui for for everything that you're doing and for 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 being on the show, and hopefully uh, we'll we can catch up soon. Okay. Love you. Love all of you. I'm never retiring, so we're going to be doing this for the next 20 years. Aloha. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Aloha. Aloha. All right. Um, oh, next. My man, Kaden. Oh, kia ora. Kia ora, kia ora. Um, Kaden, Tuakana, uh, COP25, Te Arafatu, um, one of the best crews I've ever had the, the pleasure of working with both inside COP and outside of COP. Um, you're one of two Akanas for COP25. Uh, um, yeah, man. So, like, when it, came, when it came to, like, coming up with the roster, like, um, Tiara Fatu had to be in there. We have at least three Tiara Fatu um, uh, folks folks in there. So, um, yeah, it's it's not, not spamming the whole Pacific with Tiara Fatu, but um, I just, I do want to people to um yeah put Chiarafatu on their radars um because it, it's it's a force to be reckoned with great movement uh, of Rangatahi and uh, obviously you, you'll talk about it um Kaden um when it comes to um yeah um 
where indigenous knowledge is right now. Um, how did you synthesize that question? What, what, what were your first thoughts about it? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, a really good question. And when you sent me that yesterday, I spent a bit of time thinking where Mataranga Māori or Māori knowledge is going at the moment, and particularly um, where it's going in the hands of our of our youth, our rangatahi, because in my in my opinion, it's it's never gone anywhere. It's you know it's always been there. We've always had kaupapa Māori, Māori ways of doing things. Um, at the forefront of our heads whenever we approach problems, whenever we're dealing with our own people and, and sustainability and just, just ways of being. What is interesting is how we use that knowledge to navigate through the world right now and how receptive everybody else is, um, Pākehā or um, New Zealand Europeans, to, to taking that on and, and using those ways of knowledge and those ways of being as a guide for us all to succeed. So mm -hmm. what I'm seeing at the moment, because I'm, I'm working in the health space um, at the moment, particularly Māori health, and what I'm seeing at the moment is more and more uh, Pākehā and, and just, just people from all over New Zealand embracing that Māori way of being and, and our approaches to health, our approaches to sustainability, um, to community, really taking those on board and um, applying those to everything. So I'm very confident in the direction that Indigenous knowledge is going, at least here in Aotearoa. But even, you know, the, the stage that we've shared, Ghazali, um, at the UN Climate Talks, and our Indigenous people's ability to uplift our ways of being and really put that out there, I'm really confident in the way that it's moving at the moment. Mm. And and when when you come to um just, just touching a little bit about the, the Pakia side of things, um uh, so that um um is is it is it is it well enough? Is it good enough? It, it's obviously there's there's more that they can do. Um uh, that that development um has it been with struggles? Um what what are you seeing in, on that on that end? Yeah, so it's definitely been a struggle. <laughs> that's, obviously. That's sure. But um yeah, it's, I guess the struggle comes with um, convincing Pakia that, you know, it's been said already in, in some of the talks that you've, you've had earlier prior to me, but what's good for Indigenous peoples is, is good for everybody. And our approaches to health and sustainability and culture, it's not um, just specific for Māori, it's by Māori, but what we use to um, build ourselves up is to build everybody up. You know, what's good for the most vulnerable groups is going to benefit everyone. So that is slowly being applied into, you know, different areas of the way we do things in Aotearoa. Not fast enough, nowhere near fast enough and not soon enough by any means. But we are moving in a direction. I, I work at the Ministry for Māori Development um, and we're trying to push those things out at the moment and and um, land those in different organisations so we can see those filtering down at different levels and particularly for whānau um, in their communities. So it's a struggle, but hey, getting there. Yeah. Um, Kaden, a little bit about your personal story because if, if, you, if you'd like to talk about it for that, because I think it's a very a story that a lot of other indigenous youth rangatahi are also dealing with. 
mm-hmm. is trying to regain, um, yeah, the the indigeneity. Uh, um, um, yeah, can you explain that a, a little bit um, to, to get people a little bit more context about you as a person? Yeah, definitely, because you're so right. It's it's something that a lot of Indigenous youth are dealing with, and especially here in Aotearoa, you know, this is such a common thing. 85% of Māori are urban Māori who are disconnected from their whenua, who aren't, you know, aren't on their cultural lands, aren't able to see um, or experience their um, history firsthand. So that was particularly true for me growing up in um, Napier and, and surrounded by, you know, white values and all of that and not really having the opportunity to embrace my indigeneity and, and not really even knowing how to access it, even if I wanted to. It wasn't until um, I started to get into my later years of high school that I realised, hey, there's, there's something to this and there's a key piece of the of the puzzle, which is me, that is missing. Um, get into my uni years and, and start to rediscover that and then, you know, as soon as you dive into it and you meet people who are enriched in their... Um, history, their whakapapa already, mm-hmm. um, those floodgates just open and there's there's no looking back. And it's a terrific experience and, and feeling and you're always learning and always regaining. Um, and then with that comes the drive to, okay, how are we going to do this for other people? How, how are we going to let our other rangatahi access this as well? Um, yeah, to make this a more accessible thing. So... Yeah, it's you know the the journey is still ongoing. You're always reclaiming and and, and learning your history. Yeah, obviously. Um, in terms of uh, so we always talk about where it is right now in terms of indigenous knowledge. Where do you see it going? Or, comma, uh, where do you like to see it going? Um, 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 yeah, from a youth perspective or in general, uh, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, the the ultimate goal. At least, at least in my head, I, I don't want to speak mm-hmm. for everybody, of course, but at least in my head is to have these, um, here in Aotearoa, have these principles of te ao Māori, the Māori worldview, held to equal, um, given equal power as the Pākehā establishments that already exist. And I'm hopeful, and why I'm, why I'm in the work that I am in at the moment is because I'm hopeful that we can get there and I'm seeing the progress happen at the moment that people are taking on things like um, a program we have here, Fano Water, which is focusing on health but from the Fano perspective, putting the Fano at the centre of of the the approach, the strategy and building from there. How do we how do we make things right for them um, with their priorities in mind? So Things like that and structures like that, if we continue to build and build and build, and it's a long process and we're all going to need to do our part to make that happen, if we all keep building to that, we're eventually, I hope, going to reach a point where, okay, we can start to unravel some of the health damages that were done to our people throughout all of these hundreds of years. So that that's that's my aspiration, at least. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, uh, we don't, we're running a little bit out of time, Caden. Um Final thoughts and or yeah a plug for Te Arafatu. Um, last final two minutes is they're all yours. Yeah. Any final oh, thoughts or first thing? Happy birthday, bro! Ah, thank um, you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And and Namahi too. The speakers before me and the speakers ahead of me. I'm sure a lot of main corridor is going to be shared today. Um, 
but yeah, Te is um, back doing a lot of mahi at the moment. Um, there is a strategizing hilly going head soon, so um, you will see a lot of movements from Te in the future, in the very near future. But yeah, no, I think I think that wraps up me. I don't want to take up any more of your time. No, that's okay. Um, Kaden, thank you so much for your time. Uh, kia ora to everyone um, in, in Aotearoa, Terafatu crew uh, particularly. And yeah, stay safe, stay uh, stay healthy, and stay yourself, man. I uh, really appreciate you for coming on onto the show. Kapa, you too. Thank you for having me. Kakite. Kakite. All right. Um, Dr. Rosa, you're, you're back with us. Is it um, hopefully... The connection has improved a little bit. I, I I saw that you have actually asked everyone to get out of, out of off into the internet. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't. I hope you didn't create any trouble, or we didn't create any trouble for you uh, over there. Um, has it hopefully has it has it um, improved a little bit? Uh, doesn't like it. Look like it. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's no, there's no, no, no sound. There's a little bit of more image though, uh, but there, there's, there's no sound um, yet. Maybe, like, maybe should we should ask Mina first because Mina, Mina he's, he's from Tuvalu. Maybe he, maybe he knows what, what's going on. Uh, Mina, Mina, get in here. Um, like, um, <laughs> like what was going on with inter- Wi-Fi or internet in Tuvalu and and. And oh man, good to see. But by, by the way, good to see you, Mina. Um, yeah, uh, what, what's good? Well, uh, thank you so much, Ghazali. Thank you, brother, for um, inviting me to be part of this conversation. Yeah, um, internet is. I don't know. You 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 talk about it. You talk about your experience in Tuvalu. <laughs> what happened when you um, when you were there? Oh, yeah, well. it's, it's difficult. Yeah. Well, when I wanted to get internet, I had to well, obviously go to the bank and get the Wi-Fi strip and everything else. Um, but it's um, um, it was it was good for emails and, and surfing, but I have never tried um, Zoom, Skype, video or whatever call, yeah. video calls and v- VTC in 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 um, in Funafuti. Anyway, um, hopefully, um, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Rosa, for for. T- Keeping in, keeping in, hanging in there, trying to fix, trying to fix everything. Hopefully, at some point, uh, we'll be able to, um, to to take care of all this. Um, Maina, um, when it comes to indigenous knowledge and um, climate change, uh, everyone gravitate towards uh, uh, Tuvalu. Um, so I wanted to have you in 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 this whole show, obviously. When it comes to Indian's knowledge, where it is right now, uh, what were your first thoughts when you thought about the question? Well, uh, Ghazali, when we talk about um, indigenous knowledge in Tuvalu, we are literally talking about Muno de Fale, or wisdom from the house. Mm-hmm. For us in the Pacific, Fale or house is not a rented property. It is a storeroom where wisdom and knowledge are being stored, transmit mm-hmm. and pass on to the younger generation. Since there is the, there is no word that could translate to carry a, a deeper meaning and a deeper sense of indigenous knowledge in Tuvalu, mm-hmm. I've coined and utilized the concept of Muno de Fale, uh, wisdom from the house or off the house, to mean indigenous knowledge or indigenous wisdom. Mm-hmm. 
And I am fortunate to publish few articles and on, on, on the concept of Muno de Fale. Mm -hmm. Because in Tuvalu, traditional knowledge is not taught in the public space, nor in traditional meeting house of Fale Kaupule. Mm -hmm. If it happens to be taught in the Fale Kaupule, it literally general, but not on a particular issue. Yeah. Indigenous knowledge are only found in our Fale, in our home, where our elders, our Tupuna, our grandparents recite. Knowledge that are found or taught outside the Fale, or we call it Munatuapola, is considered to be invalid and unauthentic. Mm. So let, let me take us back to the question of where indigenous knowledge going right now. Um, we should look into the context of COVID-19 and, you know, in sure, sure. COVID-19 in Tuvalu. As of early to, uh, May this year, about 1,500 plus um, the capital population were voluntarily moved back to the outer islands with border closed, limited re re um, reliance on, on the importation of goods. Therefore, people are being forced to revitalize, revisit their own traditional knowledge for their daily survival. Um, I mean, and even in the... Uh, the new foreign policy that was um, launched, uh, I think a month ago, was also framed around traditional wisdom, traditional knowledge, and traditional values. So that's how far our, our traditional knowledge have been utilized back in the island. But, um, you know, when, when, when we talk about the issue of climate change and traditional knowledge, you know, we are being resilient in many, many, many ways, not just in mm -hmm. terms of climate change in the change of weather pattern and so forth but we are resilient in in many form in many ways so having that traditional knowledge passed down to all the younger generation and re revisiting them and reviving them i think it is one of the you know it's it's it costs us nothing mm. you know it costs us nothing so if we can mitigate using our traditional knowledge we have to you know the lesser we have to to adapt yeah. Uh, utilizing, uh, you know, opting for Western methodology, Western adaptation measures. But if we have that, that, that wisdom, you know, we have that wisdom. But in fact, we, we tend to, uh, to favor the Western ideas of, of doing things rather than our own things. So it's about time that we need to decolonize, decolonize our mind, our body and our soul and, mm. and try to, to, to have that that um, deep sense of understanding what traditional knowledge really means to us. Right. Um, Mina, can you unpack that a little bit? Because you, you go into a very specific point, everybody. I think a lot of people, I see Dr. Kiloha Fox as well, like when it comes to decolonization of, of, uh, of healthcare, mind and everything else. Um, can you, from your perspective, like what are like the first steps? What are what can people do when it comes to decoloni decolonizing mind, body, soul, and everything else? Thank you. Uh, I think Asali, when we talk about this new normal, you know, it's been a discussion mm -hmm. everywhere. You know, what is a new normal? What is a new normal for the Pacific? What is the new normal for for Tuvalu? And I think I, I written an article mm -hmm. on that, and it's, it literally means you know the new normal is is going back. It's going back, re reusing our traditional knowledge. You know, for the West, development is about um, a new civilization for us. You know, development. It, it, it's, a, it's a term that only not only grabs the mind, 
but it gives some political and social flavor into to what we do in our daily daily lives. Mm-hmm. But for us in the Pacific or even in Tuvalu, if we talk about development, you know, we're talking about our traditional knowledge. You know, we're, we're literally going back. You know, this new normal, for example, people are, are, are shifting from, from Funafuti to the outer islands. You know, and most of them been been spending most of their entire lives in Funafuti, 60 or 70 percent on the capital. And now mm-hmm. they're going back. So that's, you know, the new normal is, is not nothing. It's nothing new. Mm-hmm. We're literally going back to, to what we used to be in the past, you know, um, developing that, that relationship with nature, developing that relationship with our uh, with the creation developing, redeveloping our relationship with our surrounding and so forth. So mm-hmm. it's, it's nothing new for us in indigenous people. Right. For the West, yeah, it, it is a very critical shift for them. It's a, a dynamic shift. But for us, it's not a dynamic shift. It's just we are going back, you know. Right. We are yeah. revitalizing what we learn and pass on from. So... In the absence of any Western interference or Western domination, either concept or idealistics, you know, that's normal for us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. uh, decolonization for us. The the absence of the Western influence. I, I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Maina, yeah. um, um, we're running a little bit out of time. Any, um, yeah, you wanted to talk about any of this knowledge? Climate change, COVID nineteen, the intersection of it—you've already alluded uh, about it. Any final thoughts? Anything that you really want people to think about uh, when it comes to indigenous knowledge, maybe in Tuvalu context or broader Pacific context? No, I think Asali, it's it's very important that we go back to the house where we belong to, sit around next to our elders, which is our teacher, our teachers, sit around them talk to them, learn from them. You know, they, they've been around for quite a time. Mm-hmm. They know what has happened in the past. So we should believe in them, learn from them. Stop reading the Western texts. Read our own texts. Read our own Tupuna's uh, mind and soul and learn from them. Hmm. Yeah, I like thank you, thank you so much. My, my like you know, people can see, but I'm getting goosebumps already, and we're only like not even like five speakers into the whole thing. Mina, thank you so much for your time. We'll catch up later. We'll we'll talk about rugby as well. Um, that definitely, and um, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much for 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 the opportunity. You have a good one. Oh no, thank you so much. Thank you for for your time, and Mina, uh, Tofa. All right, um, Dr. Keloha, um, thank you so much for for getting on this, um, gonna, getting on this waka with us. Um, it, it is, it is, um, yeah, kind of interesting debate conversation already. Uh, so when it comes to, um, yeah, when it comes to indigenous knowledge, quick Google search and yeah, your name comes like definitely in like the first page, oh. at least in my page. I don't know. Um, maybe there's something with Google. My Google, I don't know, uh, but I think see that as a uh, as a compliment to, to to your to your state of work. Um, obviously, you don't like um, titles and roles and everything else, um, but I, you have a, you're very distinguished. So um, yeah, let's jump right into it, um, Dr. Koloha. Um, 
indigenous knowledge, uh, where it is right now. Um, first thoughts when 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 I ask you the question. Um, um, uh, yeah, when I ask you that question. My first thought that comes to mind is is firstly how Olilahanao happy birthday, and I'm thinking <laughs> of how this is indigenous knowledge in action that you choose to spend your birthday weaving us together across the Pacific as indigenous communities to celebrate the birth that you came to this side. And I'm thinking of you and I must, I'm especially thinking of your mother and your father that gifted you to this side of our realm. That's the first thing that comes to mind, quite honestly. Mahalo, mahalo. Thank you so much for, for, for sharing that. Appreciate it. That makes, makes me very happy. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Um, and then the second thing that comes to mind for me is is really the state of um, health and medicine and the role of healing and collective action. And I think even us coming together in these ways uh, virtually through distance is an act of healing in and of itself. And I believe, um, you know, fundamentally, I really structure the philosophy of my work to not just think about the individual person being healthy, but really think about healthy places um, and you know entire structures um, that can heal a future. And so I really try to commit my work to um, definitely decolonizing the field of healthcare, but also mm -hmm. indigenizing that personal, familial, and communal you know activity towards well-being once again where we as indigenous communities always were until these oppressive systems started to erode um, our physical our spiritual our emotional environmental health over time which i got to see mr watts and he was really spot on i feel like um everything that he was sharing about Otero and his work in the ministry is so aligned to exactly um you know my role here as as um, you know, a leader in, in healthcare for um, our people as well. Mm -hmm. um, so let, let's. I like to if uh, if if that if ever that's a term, um, reverse engineer actually to the point where we are right right now. So what is the um, in in your in your view in your mind like the, the utopian view? Like what would you like to see? What is your vision when it comes to decolonization? Decolonization, comma decolonizing healthcare. I love that term, um, reverse engineer. I think that's such an ancestral way of us um, retaining our mo'olelo, our stories, and actually continuing them so that they continue to live today. And that's so much about um, my work in decolonizing healthcare and really um, decolonizing the conventional medical practices where I was, you know, really um, trained. Right. I, I will. I will say. That's um, it's it's been a sector and a community that's been incredibly welcoming to me, my ideas and my um, healthcare interventions. However, I know that that's not actually the case for the majority of us, and so I think it starts with um, one as it is an ability to represent the many, and I think it also takes um, real um, genuine allyship, partnership, and collaboration of those who are not indigenous. <clears throat> excuse me to be able to um, keenly listen, observe, uplift, and actually promote indigenous knowledge so that it lives within these structures and these systems. And that's where I've seen a lot of the strengths and successes in my own um, career, though short compared to many of the revered elders and, and kupuna who I've seen so far on this list. Um, that's what's worked for me. And I, and I hope that you share those similar successes in your own story that you continue today. 
Mm, thank you. Well, it, it's um, yeah, sharing stories. It's it's um, yeah, documenting a journey. Maybe 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 that, at least that's what what I'm trying to do. Because um, um, I, I don't want to grab like pull this whole conversation towards myself because um, I'm not interesting at this point. Um, but um, yeah, it is. I don't know a lot. Uh, I don't know anything. Um, but I'm very much interested in learning. Um, and in, in that sense, I want to take people with me along that journey, so they can learn with me or and or um, learn a little bit more. And especially when it comes to the Pacific region, um, there is there is there's, it's still considered Asia Pacific within the United Nations context, which which is um, 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 yeah unfortunate at best. And 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 it is knowledge is something that is is, is something that any thoughts uh, by the way um, it, it has been touted um, a couple of times. Indigenous knowledge, traditional knowledge. Do you make uh, a, a point in the distinction, or is it either or for you? I do, and I'm so happy and um, so fortunate to tee up Dr. Khaled Nuhiva, who I know is um, just after me. I, um, mm -hmm. I, I'm so lucky to work with her and Dr. Katie Kamalamala, who I think is on later um, yes. in the show as well. Um, we've talked about this actually um, at length during the pandemic here in Hawaii as uh, Native Hawaiian women. And what, um, you know, I'll, I'll borrow from her and, and really this is a tee up to her is there is traditional knowledge all around the world. For example, many different cultures, many different countries um, and empires have traditional knowledge. Not all of that knowledge, however, is indigenous. Right, and so I think mm -hmm. there is importance to make that distinction for us as Indigenous, Native, First Nations, and Aboriginal peoples. There really is a commitment that has um, that has I think been a, a part of the more recent narrative um, that I've been a part of to really distinguish the two. And so traditional Indigenous knowledge I think is a great way to frame it, and I hope that we're able to use those specific qualifiers moving forward as a community. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Um, Dr. Kiloha, um, is there any, any, cause we're also running a, bit, a little bit out of time, but you have a little bit more time though. Um, is there anything that you you want to talk about and you're like, oh, oh my God, Ghazali, um, I can't believe you asked me about it. I really want to talk about this. Um, something that I forgot to ask you because uh, there's so many so many things that you, you are uh, distinguished enough to talk about, obviously. Dr. Kalei is afterwards, uh, but like from your perspective, anything that you would like to share? I've been um, I've been lucky to be in so many different fora this week, and um, what I've um, continued to come back to is that um, for us, it's so natural to include art and language in history and um, dance these these forms into what we describe as health and healing for our people, our families, and the communities that we come from, and really trying to bring that into the systems and um, fractured uh, organizations that we're seeing during the pandemic, I think is a great way for us to offer tools for solutions, right? I believe mm -hmm. that everyone has a right to live long, healthy lives, no matter where you come from, no matter who you are. Um, and so I think that us as indigenous peoples have tremendous wisdom to be able to share about how we live so healthfully in harmony with one another, in harmony with our place, and how systems actually themselves can be empowered to be healing tools. Or um, as we're seeing now, I think across the board with all of these different isms, we're seeing so much 
fracturing of systems that haven't been set up for the well-being of all and collectivity. Um, uh, thank you. And fi the final, final, final question um, that's been hanging on ever since we started this whole conversation and it's been on my mind. Um, your favorite spicy food? <laughs> I, that is not one, actually. That's not what I thought you were going to ask me. Um, well, I, I absolutely love like spicy hot sauce and okay. spicy things. So when I eat, I tend to um, always have something to dip or to pour over. And so I, yeah, I just, I kind of make everything spicy. Maybe it's because I'm an Aries and that just comes with all of this inherent fire and this passion um, to keep fueling <laughs> me every day. I'm not sure, um, but definitely mm -hmm. love spicy food. And like the spicier, the better, or is it like, is there, they're like, oh, wow. Oh, spicier, the better, yeah. Oof, yeah. okay. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Keloha. Thank you so much for your time. Definitely keep in touch uh, in, on everything, um, hopefully in the future and, and whatever you do. Uh, mahalo for your time and, and for, for your work. Um, yeah, for your range of work as well. Mahalo, Nui. Happy birthday. Aloha. Thank you so much. Aloha. All right, so that was, uh, we're staying in Hawaii. Uh, we're now going to, um, yeah, Dr. Dr. Kalei Nohiwa. Um, I met Dr. Kalei in, what was it, 2016, could it be? Um, in I Fangarai. think so. Yes, in, yes, um, I think so. Can you hear me? Can you I hear can me? hear you. Perfect. Okay, well, Perfectly. I just want to start off with thank you so much for inviting me here with these uh, wonderful people who are going to be joining. It's so wonderful to reconnect with you. 2016, I think it was, I, I can't remember, um, but it was definitely a wonderful experience. And um, I learned a lot at that time. I just want to wish you a, a very happy birthday. And the fact that we you're here, even after oh. the, uh, you know, COVID-19 has done what it's doing. It's just a celebration altogether to be with you on your birthday and, and uh, bless your parents for bringing you into this world. Mahalo, mahalo nui, uh, Dr. Kalei. Um, let's, let's, so in terms of, obviously, everyone has, has, has the, considered that singular question, where is Indigenous knowledge going right now? How did you synthesize that question um, in your yeah. experience? In my experience, um, I think every day I get up and speak Hawaiian, every day I just even get up and actually be is, is a way that we synthesize and continue to be here and to fight whatever system. Uh, for me, it's really all about resilience and, um, and returning back to uh, our traditions because it's through our traditions we stay connected to our ancestors where we learn from them um, whenever something major happens, which for example, coronavirus is, uh, you know, mm -hmm. COVID-19, everyone immediately turns to indigenous knowledge to help them uh, through the challenges. And so I think that's something we have uh, uh, inherently in, well, we were, at, we, we've survived through all of that. And so we're able to, uh, be be able to um, bring people along, share people's, um, be able to meet people in in universal truths, and that's one of the things I feel um, uh, indigenous knowledge has. It's because we've been somewhere for such a long time, have been able to understand our places so well, have been here for multiple generations, uh, and then can adapt those knowledge bases anywhere we go and and share it to anyone on this planet 
that um, that we're actually an asset, and and mm. that's probably the best way to answer answer your question there. But yeah, <laughs> no, appreciate um, that 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 you answered to the question. Uh, also, because there's something, um, and this is a little bit of rapid fire. It's like I I'm prone to go from like a monkey go from tree branch to tree branch tree branch sure. in terms of like, questions and 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 conversation. Um, Yo is after this. He he can very much attest to that. Um, in terms of because uh, you, you brought brought something into the the conversation when it, when it comes um, when you think about indigenous knowledge, you're also focusing on focusing on artificial artificial intelligence. Oh yeah, yeah. I really feel like um, we need to be up in the forefront of all of that and mm. to make sure that we're a part of that discussion and actually contributing to that intelligence that is being created, or it will become our next oppressor. Um, because we think so differently, because we're so environmentally connected, because uh, we're into traditions and feelings and experiences and logic and all those things, that's something that's not really included or those kinds of thought processes are not included in uh, AI as far as that, as far as I can see. And, and, mm -hmm. and our, our frameworks and epistemologies that are so different from what is the norm in the Western world, um, I feel like we need to be active in it and we have to be a part of it. We have to give our, our images, our thoughts, our, our ways of thinking over to be sure that we're also included in that as opposed to running away from it because it's already happening and becoming, it's becoming. Mm -hmm. So being very active in it and um, yeah, being a, a very um, important part of that, that whole mm -hmm. system being yeah. developed. Uh, like uh, uh, because you started talking about it, my, my my mind went a little bit too also to um, virtual reality, um, those, those kind of things as well. And then yeah. it goes to uh, Michaela Jade, a very good uh, friend of ours, mine um, sister, uh, Aboriginal Australia, uh, uh, runs in digital uh, company as well. She tries try to. Um, I think she tries to bring the rights whole um, regime, indigenous rights regime, into uh, when it comes to digital rights uh, and indigenous people, making sure that we are protected. And it's just right. like, it's a little bit along the lines of, of what you're talking about. Right. Um, Dr. Kalei, um, when we were in Aotearoa in, in, in 2016, you talked at length about something that not a lot of people are aware of, but should be aware of. And that is like the Hawaiian worldview of of the world calendar, and mm -hmm. any any anything that you could share about like the empowering approaches it has, and and for for mm -hmm. ceremonial and ritual and benefits maybe uh, something that you can share. Is there something that you yes. can share about that? Absolutely. Uh, actually, it comes. It was something that was brought to us as we migrated all the way through from from um, from your side of the world of the Pacific all the way to um, you know all across. Um, what I feel the Hawaiian lunar calendar does, and actually any lunar calendar does, is it forces you to live within um, within uh, this idea of a cycle and a season. And um, everything around us, the environment, the plants that grow, the animals, everything, even the weather that's happening, is all about that, that natural cycle. So um, in the Western world, they tend to think about things in a human lifetime, 
right? Whereas in an indigenous thought, what the lunar calendar helps us see is that there are cycles. So if there's a year, uh, an annual cycle, it could be a five-year cycle, it could be 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 100 years, 500 years, you know, and that kind of information is passed on to us via our stories and our chants. And so therefore, um, you know, we, we worry about climate change, but in the Hawaiian thinking, and perhaps in the indigenous thinking, the climate is always changing. And therefore, mm -hmm. what do we do as humans? What can we do to adapt and mitigate our ways of approaching in the environment and approaching the things that are around us so that we can actually live in harmony and in sync with, with this cycle that we think is new, but is actually not. It's actually, mm. it's, it's happened before. And you know, you and I, Ghazali, we are descendants, and I say this all the time, we are descendants of survivors, which means we have that information, um, that, that trauma, the historical trauma, the historical triumphs, all of that knowledge that our ancestors actually uh, experienced is in us. And it's really about reaching back into us, connecting to the moon, connecting to the natural environment, uh, and then having that sort of come out and be able to live again in the same way that our ancestors did so that we become good ancestors for the next descendants and we pass on that information to them too. So, you know, I, we have to honor um, those survivors who allowed us to be here. and and so. You know, they went through a lot to make sure we're here. So it, it, it behooves us to continue to do those kinds of things, add to that knowledge for, for those mm -hmm. who are coming after us. Uh, thank you so much, um, 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 Dr. Kalei. Okay. <clears throat> um, any, uh, yes, because we're, we're also like, we're coming towards the tail end of this whole conversation. Right, um, yes. And any, any final thoughts, people that um, they heard before in this conversation maybe that you want to comment on? or something that you would like to share with people um, that um, they, you would like people to think about when it comes to indigenous knowledge? I th yeah, okay. Um, I, I really believe that the environment around us is constantly teaching us. Uh, indigenous people know that we are descendants of the environment around us. We are a product of it. Uh, and so uh, the environment is such a patient teacher such a patient teacher, constantly teaching us things every day. And uh, what we do as Indigenous people is stop and pay attention to it because our lives depend upon the health of the environment and it's the symbiotic relationship. And there's a lot of um, sentences and in, in chants and stories that say, Iola oi, Iola aoe. If you live, then I will thrive. If I thrive, mm. then you should thrive. And so so, I mean, coming back to that place again, coming back to it ourselves, coming back, reaching into ourselves to find our ancestors and allowing our ancestors to reach back to us, I think is like super important. Um, and that's to me uh, how we can explain where is indigenous knowledge going right now. It's, it's within us already and will always be. And so our job is to assure that that transference of knowledge continues to happen in the future. For those who follow after. Mm, mm, thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Kalei, thank you so much for, for being thank on the show. Thank you, Your breath so of good work. To see you. And yeah, I think it's good, good to see you as well. And hopefully that we can uh, continue uh, in, the, in the future, hopefully also in, in person, uh, yes. into a much deeper conversation. Because I'm, I'm thinking right. like- Yeah, it's too um, short. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. way, way too short. Way too yeah, short. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so happy for this time and and with you. And so thank you for allowing me to be with you and for everyone. Mahalo for sharing all of your thoughts for the rest of this day. Yeah, mahalo. Mahalo nui and aloha and aloha. To Ohana as well. Oof. All right. Um, I, I see. It's, it's a, a green room that's very busy. Oh, um, um, Auntie Anna, thank you so much. Um, all the way for. Um, so we went from Hawaii, going to Kiribati right now. Um, Auntie, when it comes to like, we, you shot a video as well. It was the shortest one, but it went to to a lot of people the most profound one because uh, it hit people, hit people's homes. Um, in in um. It, it hit, uh, yeah. Um, as in, you, you were afraid of in his knowledge, um, uh, going, getting lost, danger of, of going lost. Um, so, obviously, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, first, the, the, the question that I ask everyone when it comes to where is indigenous knowledge going right now? Um, what were your first thoughts and how, how did you, no, not, not first thoughts, how did you unpack that, that particular question? Like what, um, what was the thought process? Um, yeah, when, I'm, when I think about the question of um, where is indigenous knowledge at this time, what comes in mind as I have shared is that the loss of culture. What uh, comes in is that many of our, um, lives in Kiribati here, we depend and we rely heavily on our land. And as part of the indigenous knowledge being um, getting lost through the impact of climate change, because due to the, um, the land erosion, people are really connected with the land. And we buried our people in our land, our ancestors, their ancestors. So we are all connected. All that have died, they are buried in the same um, cemetery. So most of people who live on land, especially close to the, the shore, they find it so difficult that All right, let's let's remove her and bring her back. Hopefully that um Yep, she's, the connection is coming back, hopefully. Um, give me a little bit of time to, to eat some pineapple. By the way, people that are watching, um, please let us know where you're watching from. Um, I think people that, our guests would really much appreciate it if you, if you tell us where you're watching from. Any takeaways that then from this whole conversation? You likes was something that you like that you or want to learn more from? Any questions? Just drop them in the comments. We really appreciate it if you um because it, it's it's interactive conversation anyway. Um, Zvetka, can can we can we we pull out um, um Auntie Anna a little bit and then bring her back in? Oh, and then hopefully, boom! Yes. <laughs> and you're yeah. back. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, please, please continue. Um, you were saying about indigenous knowledge, where it is right now. Yeah. So I found that indigenous knowledge without people now, most of them have gone. They are gone because they are taken away through the impacts of climate change, especially.
man, had her and lost her. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I think that trick only works once. Um, I think pulling her out and, and bringing her back in. Um, hopefully, um, maybe we'll do a, like a Dr. Rosa. We'll try to throw out. Uh, maybe, maybe that's a good idea. Um, the weather is yeah, too bad, you know. I think we'll... that's the problem we are facing oh. at the moment with the connection. Okay. Yeah, I think there is some kind of, Maybe it could be us. Maybe, maybe the the streamyard guards or not yes yeah I, I can hear you um auntie anna like there's one interesting story that not a lot of people know of but it shows goes to resiliency Hello. and determination are you, are, can you hear me can you hear me uh, auntie anna no i, I think we have we do have image though you cannot hear us i we can hear you um so um uh, auntie anna one more time can you can you hear us if, if a wave can you see me waving i don't think she can see us waving either all right, let, let, let's let's pause this kind of conversation then for, for a bit, um, Svetka, and then, then um, we'll we'll hopefully we, we can come back to her um, at a later point. Awesome. And then next we have boom. All right, um, yo, well, Clement in full, Clement Yo Mulalap, Federated States of Micronesia, um, prefers to be called Yo. Uh, for, for people that people should know that people should know that he likes to be called by the name that he wants to be called to by um yeah good friend actually i, I would call it serendipity uh, how we met um like as was sb48 in bonn by coincidence we had this conversation at a, at a, at a lunch table and then it spiraled off into bbnj platform and everything else um if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. But um, obviously, I, I, I should ask you the, the question that I should ask that I ask everyone's everyone in this um, show so far. Um, where is Indigenous knowledge uh, going right now? Uh, what were your first thoughts when you when I sent you that question? And welcome to the show, by the way. No, oh, th thank you very much, Kazali. Can you hear me? Are we good? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, no, I very much appreciate uh, being invited to participate, and I've been really enjoying uh, the stream so far, including images of you eating. <laughs> and on that <laughs> note, on that note, happy birthday! Appreciate um, it. Thank you so much. Oh, like it? Chocolate? Chocolate? Probably. It's a it's vegan blackout chocolate cupcake. Um, the All first right. time we met was over yogurt. I could not find any yogurt nearby. Oh, right? yeah, true. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is close enough. It's dessert. It's close enough. Close I, haven't enough. My, I, I, I haven't had my dinner yet, so I'm going to save this for later. Uh, but okay. I'll be thinking of you as I enjoy this. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, before I forget, um, your chocolate stack right now, how is it looking? Oh, no. Um, sh sh um, should we send some more? or? Well, we'll uh, you don't have to send any more. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been rationing them very, very uh, severely. <laughs> Dude, um, my, my niece uh, watching this, she would like, oh, send him some more. Like, because she, she doesn't want you to ration, ration the whole supply. Like, she wants you to, I don't know, 
um, eat as much as possible, probably. But yeah, uh, well, I really appreciate that. But uh, the next time we meet, uh, hopefully, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, definitely, yeah, we'll exchange some goods. <laughs> mm-hmm. huh. um, I uh, no, I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to participate in the stream, and uh, I've been thinking a little bit about your your question, and actually, I want to echo quite a bit what one of your previous guests said, Caden, uh, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, about the fact that you know indigenous knowledge is here it's always been here and universe willing it will continue to be here um, it's not going anywhere in terms of going away um, mm-hmm. what i've been seeing more and more is the rest of the international community beginning to acknowledge uh, the value um, and the importance of indigenous knowledge and its application to a whole range of inter- international processes and work, uh, particularly pertaining to uh, the natural environment, although not limited to the natural environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been uh, it's been exciting to see that sort of uh, uh, acknowledgement uh, turn into a bit of a groundswell. Um, but uh, it's also going through some growing pains, I think, this sort of uh, interaction between indigenous knowledge and its holders on the one hand and the rest of the international community trying to understand that. Um, in that sense, I really appreciate the work that you do and your colleagues do um, in a whole bunch of different fora, um, mm-hmm. pushing forward uh, indigenous knowledge. And the, this notion that indigenous knowledge is, is not just a bunch of information or not just a bunch of data sets, uh, that's very important. And those are very valuable contributions, um, but it's also uh, values and practices and worldviews that go along with generating and transmitting and applying a lot of this knowledge, which I think uh, are important aspects that should be reflected in the various uh, international processes and instruments that uh, are receptive to indigenous mm-hmm. knowledge. Any, any thoughts on, um, yeah, like what, what what are the major hurdles that that, that that you experience that you that you see when it comes to um, international recognition or respect or consideration of indigenous knowledge? Uh, what is something that indigenous peoples can do to overcome that hurdle? Well, one major hurdle, and I, I reference this a little bit, is this idea um, that at least when you're dealing with governments, uh, states, parties um, that don't necessarily have that tradition of engagement with indigenous knowledge, they are initially comfortable only as far as going, they're only going comfortable with going initially with accepting indigenous knowledge as a source of information, as a source of data that they mm-hmm. can assess in some way, that they can evaluate in some way and, and, and use alongside science to manage different things about the natural environment, for example. But they don't, it's uncomfortable for them to go beyond that, to talk about stewardship, uh, to talk about uh, intergenerational connections with the land and the ocean and the values that are transmitted and to see how those uh, values and practices can be guiding principles or approaches uh, for the different uh, measures and approaches that, and and activities that are being uh, regulated by, by governments, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that init- it's that step further that's challenging, which I which is why I think it's very important for indigenous peoples in particular to be able to participate actively in all these different spaces that um, that are open to and that impact their knowledge and uh, and where they live and where 
uh, and to be able to participate in these spaces, to be able to explain where they come from, what their worldviews are, how they generate and use this knowledge and how useful this knowledge uh, can be. Um, mm -hmm. Just having a seat at the table, it's, it's such an important thing. Um, even yeah. if you have to make, make the table huge, make sure there are seats there for everybody. Yeah. Mm, uh, okay. <clears throat> um, y y obviously, um, you're now uh, like you're, you're with FSM Mission New York, doing a lot of third committee, like sixth committee as well, I believe. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm not, not going to ask you about all these committees, obviously, but um, what are the um, I'm, I'm very curious about that. Any any potential blind spots? BBJ was a blind spot to Indigenous peoples uh, for a very long time. Um, is there anything that you see right now or developing that might be of interest to Indigenous peoples aside from BBNJ? Um, you know, a lot of the focus at the UN level, at least, uh, with respect to Indigenous peoples and Indigenous knowledge uh, has to do with, uh, with the environment, uh, with, the, with the natural environment and how to manage the natural environment, uh, the activities pertain to the natural environment. Um, even then, like you said, there was a bit of a blind spot, I guess, if you can call it that, or in terms of BBNJ, uh, because again, a lot of governments, a lot of states did not think that indigenous knowledge was applicable to areas beyond national jurisdiction, uh, to the high seas, for example, even mm -hmm. though there are clear examples uh, that contradict that in the Pacific and the Arctic, uh, among others. Um, but, uh, but going beyond the natural environment, and if we are to think about indigenous knowledge um, to be more than just data sets and information sets about the natural environment, but just about ways of living, um, mm. of being strong societies that respect what came before and that manage and that try to leave a better world for the future generations. And I think you can see uh, the value of indigenous knowledge across uh, pretty much the entire portfolio of UN of UN activities um, in the in the different committees at the UN, uh, you don't not just have uh, uh, the third committee like your reference, which is on human rights, uh, but yeah. you have uh, you have the, the sustainable uh, development committee, the second committee. You have the even disarmament committee, the first committee, um, the impacts of uh, nuclear weapons and other weapons of mass destruction on indigenous peoples and their ways of living. Um, uh, there are different ways that I think. Indigenous peoples can contribute to uh, international, intergovernmental uh, discussions, um, including at the UN. Um, mm -hmm. And I know there's definitely, and you, you of course know, uh, you're very actively involved in efforts at the UN uh, to make sure that Indigenous peoples have uh, have a seat at the table at the UN. Um, um, and I think that's very important. Any, um, I have two final questions. Uh, final question is. Um, anything that you, uh, we didn't touch upon, or that I, yeah, that we didn't touch upon, that, but you really want to share still? Thoughts, ideas, concerns, maybe? Uh, I will say, you know, uh, I'm a lawyer, and one of the main reasons why I went to law school was to examine this sort of tension between uh, customs and traditions and customary laws on the one hand, especially in the Pacific, <clears throat> and uh, Western or outside legal systems on the other hand that we've imported into our governments uh, throughout the Pacific. And it sets up a lot of tension uh, between our customary ways of jurisprudence, of uh, dispute resolution, 
um, and uh, and outside of uh, approaches to those issues. And this is unfortunate because most Pacific Island states, they have laws and regulations, including uh, in their constitutions, that recognize customs and traditions that give importance to customs and traditions, including in dispute resolution. But it's been challenging for many of these jurisdictions, including my own, including in the FSM, to mm -hmm. operationalize those uh, provisions in our laws and regulations and in our constitutions. Um, we have a deep reservoir of knowledge about how to live as viable and harmonious communities with each other, as well as with the natural environment that we need to tap into more regularly to resolve a lot of disputes that we tend to throw into the courts, the Western courts that we have in our, mm -hmm. in our islands. And that uh, more often than not lead to even more division, even more heartache uh, among right. our communities. Uh, we've kind of moved away a little bit from our traditional ways of living. And uh, I think uh, well, that's a bit unfortunate. No, oh, um, um, yo, um, I consider you a very good representative of the Pacific region in general, not only FSM. Um, so thank you so much for for being on the show. Uh, thank you so much for for being a friend, being being an ally, uh, being being indigenous. Actually, we consider you indigenous. Uh, I think I heard Andrea and and Hindu talk about it as well. Final final question is: Did you watch The Mandalorian? Of course. Okay. Um, oh, Second season. Uh, yes, I'm all caught up. Um, oh, you caught up? Okay, cool. I, I think I know who the who the the Mandalorian is at the end of the day. I think I think they're oh, I think they're setting okay. something up, man. They're setting something up. Um, yeah, I I have I have my, my my suspicion, but but like um yeah, I didn't even know, yeah. Well, now there's so many things that I, that that I don't compute with me that I'm still have to figure it out. Um, yeah, but we'll definitely talk that in a different conversation. Um, um, by the way, by the way, sorry. Right over there at the tip of my finger, there's a baby Yoda right over there at the tip of my finger <laughs> at, the <t> <laughs> at the top of the bookcase. You can't see, uh, you can't I can see, see it, I can see it. You can't yeah. see Grogu, Grogu is up there. Trust Grogu, me. yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yo, thank you so much for, for being on the show, really appreciate it. And uh, have a great day, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, yeah, and, and talk later. Happy birthday, thank man. you so much. Like, yeah. thank you. Oh, that was good. Yo, and Leilani, um, Leilani, when you sent in that video, it was so off the cuff uh, <laughs> about indigenous knowledge in the Pacific. And you, you told me like, oh man, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of messy, but it was perfect. It was 100% <laughs> perfect as it was. Uh, um, I love off the cuff from the top of your dome kind of thinking and you brought in like these amazing thoughts about indigenous knowledge and people want to learn more. People want to know more. So we'll, we'll try to do as much as possible within 10 yeah. minutes. But sis, I really think you should start your own podcast. Really, I think you should do it. There's, there's a lot of people that are... I don't know the, if the, that many people want to hear my voice. <laughs> they are willing to see through the voice. <laughs> to get to, <laughs> to to get to to get to the info. Uh, no, no, I'll joke aside. No, I, th I think people are very much yeah, because like, you you speak with, with such uh, profoundness, uh, um, empathetic empathy, um, and, and I think that resonates with a lot of people. Um, so, like, um, it is anything that you that you consider or do not consider from this whole show, four hours of craziness. 
um, please consider this. Please consider starting a <laughs> podcast about 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 this. All right, let, let, let's let's get into it before I, before I rattle off to into like a whole different realm of 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 of, of thoughts and everything else. And Leilani. Before anything, viva cumpleaños! Happy birthday, Gazali! Gracias, hermana. Gracias. Thank you. Um, hey, that's Chamoru. That's Chamoru. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I knew it. I, I just, I just knew it. <laughs> I just knew. It. Um, and I, 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 I forgot it. I forgot it as well. I, I apologize. Sorry, Leilani. Um, yes, it's thank okay. you. <laughs> um, uh, do, 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 where was I? Oh, yeah, the whole point of the show. Um, Leilani, give us like you, your process of thinking. How do how you, did you unpack the question? Where is indigenous knowledge going right now? Before you go into the answer, of course. <laughs> Our um, I, I thought a lot about what's important to me, and um, you know what makes what I see as my knowledge different from um, my peers or even my advisors in the Western Academy. And mm -hmm. I really emphasize in all of my work and especially in my research, empathy and, and love. Um, I think that love is a really, love really it. critical love part it. of indigenous knowledge. And, um, you know, I, I do consider myself a scholar, um, but I, I see indigenous knowledge as everybody else's knowledge, just with a little bit more heart added. Um, so I, I do try to approach everything from that perspective. And I know that Nate is after me. So I also, um, I think about things in terms of water. So, mm. yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit because there's so much in there. All right. Let's talk love because there is, love has a stigma right now, nowadays, <laughs> still. Um, you're your view of of destigmatizing love and connecting it to indigenous knowledge i think that um some of the stigma about love being taken seriously as part of knowledge um comes from the masculinity that's emphasized mm. in colonization um there are countless scholars who have come before me um, who have spoken a lot about how the colonization of the Pacific has mirrored the sexual violence done to the women and um, the, the Mahu and other gender people of the Pacific. And so when I try to cultivate knowledge then that works against those concepts, it's always going to start from a place of love as well as, um, and I, I mean that also as um, most of my research also is really driven by my love for my grandparents, um, mm. my love for um, talking to them every single day, no matter how much they make fun of me um, and hearing what they're interested in. Um, my grandfather was one of the first people who talked to me about the connections between um, militarism and climate change in Hawaii. And so that's really something, you know, I, I take seriously what my, what my kapuna are telling me to go research. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leilani, something that you uh, uh, we, we had this 
very brief, very brief conversation at COP25. I don't even think you can remember it though. Um, that you had a, you had ideas, um, plans, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, to indigenize academia uh, uh, um, and scholarship, like, like like those kind of things. Uh, can can you can you unpack that a little bit? Talk about that. Um, yeah, if it's still current or, yeah. I I always, um, I love the classroom and I think that that's something that's very indigenous about me. There are these stories um, back in the beginning of um, Christian colonization in Guahan where um, Chamorus and other exiles would challenge the priests and the missionaries to days long debates. Um, and so I, I've really always seen my traditional role in my community as both a storyteller and a researcher as um, following in that tradition just in a new way. Mm. Um, and my experiences in Western academia, that was really largely rejected um, by my committee. Um, one thing that's really just bizarre, I had a nuclear a nuclear politics professor who told me that Guam had nothing to do with conversation about nuclear weapons, um, which is just ridiculous. And I, I was consistently finding that um, my methods were, were um, devalued. And I think that a lot of it had to do with the fact that I, I include emotion just as much as I include historical relevance and theory in mm -hmm. my work. And, um, you know, that's something that I learned from a lot of Pacific scholars that came before me too, including my mother. My mother's a biologist um, who has uh, incredible biology printed across her back, of course. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it's just, um, this is this is a part of me. This is the way research and um, and indigenous storytelling is the way that I um, most clearly practice my ceremony. Um, and unfortunately, there's not always the context for that, um, mm. but that, that's what you're for. You're creating it. <laughs> <laughs> I do my best. I do my best. <laughs> Leilani, um, I, I see, like, what was... I saw you in terms of, like, physically, but also emotionally, I saw you change way when you talk talk about your, your mother and like you like for me when I talk about my mother like she's the same to me um even though she's not with us anymore um tell me the what is the importance of family comma siblings in terms of indigenous knowledge um any, any thoughts on that well it I told you that sister was one of my most important roles because I have a little sister who is, um, you know, like like all of us, born into this climate crisis right now, um, who may never get to see, um, who may never get to see our home, mm -hmm. and um, indigenous knowledge is something that I work to cultivate. But the contexts that you and I met in, um, having to understand international law, and like you said, this is something that I never knew anything about before I had to know it. Um, I, I do this because my love for my sister is such that I would like her to just do whatever she wants and not have to learn any international law, not have to learn what 
Article Six of the Paris Agreement says. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all about. No, then, it's all yeah. about love. I think um, just just to add to that, uh, Leilani. I, I I so much that that what you said so much resonates with me, as in um, the, the the last thing that I want is to have my family, siblings, everyone else around me having to do the same thing that I do or we do. Mm-hmm. Um, as in, go pursue what you want to do. Go, go do yeah. what you would love to do. Uh, what brings you happiness. Uh, what uh, what makes you look at life with empathy, kindness, respect, consent, reciprocity, um, yeah. and just like I'm like I got your back. Like I'll I'll I'll, I'll do this. Like I I I made this my my, my niche my niche, like in in the international work the, the 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 arena that we met, so that you don't have to do it. Um, yeah. Just 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 any. Um, any any final thoughts on that? I'm, 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 we're running out of time, but like I would love to hear your your, your quick thoughts. On well, that. Um, just maybe a little bit of a transition to who's after me. Um, there mm. is uh, a Papuan scholar, Bernard Narakobi, um, who compares colonization in the Pacific to a tidal wave, and the work that those of us who are left behind do is the act of taking a digging tool, sorting through the wreckage and creating something that we can be proud of. Um, so I mm. think that's what we're doing. I, I really do. Um, and Sainama Asi, thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much, Lelani, for, for, for your time. <laughs> I know you're a busy lady. Definitely start that podcast. I'll help you with it <laughs> if you don't want to. Definitely, because your way of storytelling says 100%. Says, I think it can be very inspiring. And there are not a lot of Pacific podcasts out there. You know? There and, are and then, if, um, Pacific podcasts, a little plug for them. Mm, yeah, yeah. well, that, that. But, like, from your side, though, <laughs> for, from your from your perspective, um, like I don't want to, I don't want to push you, but um, um, just a little bit of nudge. Um, but thank, thank you so you. much, Lilani, f- for for getting thank on the show, for your time, for 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 being you, and um, yeah, we'll definitely talk later. Uh, yeah. Talk soon. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, who is next? Um, Nate, my man. Hold on, I'll, I'll get some pile. <laughs> Sorry, hey, bro. Uh, how's it going? Uh, uh, all goods, all goods, man. Um, happy birthday, happy birthday, and also big love to Leilani. Yeah, isn't isn't she awesome? Like, like her, yeah. her, her mind where she, where it goes, speaking with such eloquency. Like, I think we as a Pacific region movement should definitely treasure that um, that mindset. Um, per, per, per personalities like Leilani, and personalities like yourself, brother um, <laughs> Nate. One hundred percent. I love it when 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 people are so specific, and this is just how people uh, strike me. You know, like when you when we met in Madrid, you know, like oceans were your thing. That was your niche. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you're from PNG, West Papua. is 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 a very important point, and I think like Brooke is after this. Like I, like she she is also like. I think everyone in this whole show is is supporting with with public struggle and the way mm-hmm. that you brought that forward into the COP twenty five conversation, whereas it's usually it's climate change, but not about decolonization, not about mm-hmm. oppression and everything else. I, I very much appreciate for your mindset for bringing that forward, and I think that's also why I loved 
um, I, 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 yeah, I think I, I, I danced a little bit when you said yes, I'll be on the show. Um, <laughs> Nate, uh, <laughs> uh, don't don't tell it to everyone else. Definitely not to India and 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 the whole crew. Uh, definitely not to the Kia, and and because otherwise she'll she make me dance again. Um, Nate, uh, where is indigenous knowledge going right now? Um, I'm sure you have some kind of idea uh, about it. Um, but before you go into that, uh, what? How did you synthesize that question? How did you deconstruct that question um, when when you first read it or heard it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, th I mean, there's there's a couple of things right in that in terms of like what do we mean by indigenous knowledge? Um, is it just simply the things that we know, or or is it the kind of ways that we uh, relate to and understand and come to knowledge, right? The, the kind of systems and processes by which we, we encounter and engage with the world. Um, and, and definitely in that kind of respect, I think we're, we're seeing a bit of a, a revival um, in terms of, um, and, and perhaps I'm biased because, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have Pacific students in my class and, and I'm seeing them come through and get really um, radical and concerned about things and, and learning about the Anthropocene and stuff like that. Um, but in terms of that, yeah, this, this revival and this, this focusing, um, on, on the kind of importance of both the environment and, and the way in which the knowledge from that environment is very particular, um, mm -hmm. to indigenous groups and how that in its particularity is really important for us going forward in terms of bringing together all these diverse and different but also fundamentally kind of facing the same problems. Um, we bring these stories together. And I think that coming together of stories um, that sharing the, the capacity to be in spaces like COP and, and to hear about the Arctic where their, their ice is melting. And that's precisely why the sea levels are rising in our, in our villages and on our beaches and stuff. You know, the, the interconnectedness of those stories and the, the capacity to weave them together um, I think we're definitely seeing a revival and, and mediums like this, right, where we can have, you know, a Papuan in New Zealand speaking to, to indigenous communities all around the world, you know, just, just these kind of fascinating conversations that we can have. Mm. Nate, um, also like very, being very conscious that a lot of non-Indigenous people are watching right now or watching afterwards. You started off with a, what is Indigenous knowledge? Um, the, what is the, 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 um, yeah, the, 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 the difference in, in your view, in your view, traditional knowledge, indigenous knowledge. Yeah, so, so I think like first and foremost is this grounding of relationship, right? Our, our, our knowledge comes from our environments. Um, you know, my people have been on our beach for hundreds, if not thousands of years and, and have knowledge built in the cycles of that environment. They understand um, Certain things like, you know, uh, I was just learning about El Nino last night, like just trying to like learn how that system works and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and, and our ancestors, our elders, they already had these kind of implicit knowledges where they could recognize these patterns and these cycles. Um, and, and I think that pattern recognition, that capacity to understand our environments and how they shift and change. Um, and that relationship to the environment and relationship to people is, is the foundation of, of that indigenous knowledge. And I guess... Um, one of the one of the ways I'm kind of navigating that, for example, writing writing a PhD in a in a very Western um, kind of academia kind of setting, you know, you, you have to navigate. Um, I've, I've you know working on methodology like gut feeling, right? Mm, like mm, how gut mm. feeling can be part of your methodology and research project. Um, 
because it's how you gauge whether or not the relationship between you and the person you're engaging with is all good or not. You know, you have this kind of internal gut feeling that helps you navigate that. And so I think, yeah, these, these, it's, it's a different way of relating to knowledge and, and to people as well. And, um, am I? Yep. Yep. You're good. You're good. Oh yeah. Cool. Uh, sorry. And, um, particularly with, um, relating to knowledge, like one of the things is, um, you know, whether or not all knowledge should always be accessible all the time to everyone. And this is kind of an interesting thing um, navigating at the university around whether or not certain bits of um, knowledge should be shared um, mm -hmm. or, or can be shared and when it's appropriate to share those knowledges and stories. And so, yeah, it's kind of this, this weird line to blend in, but the importance of it, I think, is fundamentally that relationship is, is primary and comes first. Yeah, uh, Nate. Something that you really want to talk about, and also like a little bit of segue to the the, the ne next guest, obviously, is you wanted to talk about indigenous knowledge versus or or, or in connection with um, engagement from indigenous youth. Um, mm. What are your thoughts? Um, maybe concerns, maybe or opportunities. Yeah. So so I mean, I'm, I might be a bit biased in this. I was kind of wanting to plug. Um, some of the work of, uh, as I, as I kind of mentioned and was put on the profile, you know, I love Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop mm -hmm. role-playing games. Yeah. Um, and, and these kind of games is a way for, for storytelling, um, for, for passing on these kind of messages and, and, and stories to our youth, um, in ways that kind of have shifted and changed and develop as, as we go and as, as everyone goes, um, yeah, so so you know, like one of the things that I'm I'm was was working on at the moment was like a um, a kind of tabletop game, a Dungeons and Dragons game where um, there's stuff going on with the stars, and so mm -hmm. to I wanted to use that to teach a little bit of some of the um, indigenous kind of star uh, systems that we have um, in in my village, kind of some of the the, the uh, constellations that we recognize and stuff, and so you can put them into the game. And, and you're kind of putting the foundations of this knowledge in, in a way that's kind of interactive and enjoyable. So I think absolutely, um, you know, not just pushing to, to gamify or, or to turn all our knowledge into to games and stories, but to recognize the importance of storytelling as, you know, Leilani was kind of pointing out and, and as the podcasts and these kind of things are, are all demonstrating is the importance of being able to communicate narrative and story and, and, and share in that. And I think, you know, <laughs> My, my personal preference for tabletop role-playing games means that, that uh, I see those as kind of a way of doing it, um, as mm -hmm. a way of, of, of talking through things and also through, you know, online games, um, trying to emphasize kind of ways to, to teach indigenous culture in inappropriate and proper ways um, yeah. through there. But also, you know, as I said, kind of balancing that with the idea that not everything should be accessible for everyone. So it's a, it's a tight line to balance. And yeah, I think, Actually, one of the things that that kind of um, also struck me with regards to youth and stuff, and um, you know, our schooling system, I just I just keep coming back to the fact that we get like new teachers every year. You know, you don't have like a singular kind of mentor figure um, through the education system or these kind of um, people that that walk with you through through that knowledge journey. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it's mainly your peers. And so that was something I've kind of been thinking about because I, I do work with um, children and kind of um, have done social services work with children that have, have experienced some pretty rough stuff. But, you know, I also yeah. teach at the university. 
Um, and it's just really interesting that, you know, those lessons can go back and forth and feed into each other. Um, and, and they're really important to feed into each other. And there's nothing particular about those age groups, you know, the relationships that we establish in that kind of knowledge journey, um, I think should be lifelong, you know, and, and to, to kind of partition this year of your life into this teacher being the one who's guiding you through it, as opposed to kind of having these ongoing relationships with mentors and, and, and elders. I think those are really important things that we need to kind of uh, establish. Yeah, and Nate. But um, <clears throat> in in closing, uh, let me help you out a little bit. Um, it's it's not in. I applaud you and encourage you to do what you're doing in terms of like what you explained with Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I have the, I have the same thing with Minecraft. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I watch I watch indigenous indigenous kids youth play Minecraft, and it is. Yeah. Um, it is not about transfer of knowledge. It is about like like learning your own knowledge. You know, like preserving mm-hmm. it in, in in a way. I'm not saying gamifying, but gamifying yeah. learning. Gamifying learning. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's that's what it is, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, by all means, man. Dungeons Dungeon Dragons. <laughs> I I see the connection. You know, definitely. I see yeah. it 100. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you know, there are indigenous games that are kind of uh, running like this at the moment. Um, the game Edrigor is like built in mm-hmm. kind of Lakota mythology and by by a Lakota um, game kind of developer and stuff. So these things are there, and and they're great for for revival and and encouraging these conversations and stories. So yeah, by all means. You know, it doesn't have to be um, scary. It can be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. You're preaching to the choir here. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, like we should definitely. We should let, let, let's catch up at some point. Talk more about this. With gamifying, mm-hmm. learning, indigenous knowledge, like the whole Delta. Let, let, mm-hmm. Let's do something about that. In, in the yeah, future. for sure. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on awesome. our show, man. Cheers. I really no appreciate, worries. appreciate it. Yeah. yeah no. Cheers, awesome. Man. Cheers. Right. Catch you. Have a good one. Catch you up. Oh, gamifying. Yes, yes, of course. That, that, that's what you all should know. All right. Um, hands down, the this segment, the conversation that I've been looking forward to the entire week. Um, we're connecting now with, <clears throat> with the Marshall Islands. A very good friend of mine, Brooke, uh, met in in. in with um, Dr. Kalei, by the way, in, in New Zealand, in Aotearoa, New Zealand, in, uh, in Whangarei, in what was a, what a workshop on biodiversity. Um, but she brought in her son into the conversation. And um, so it, it is a, it's a three-way conversation, this one. Um, so I'll just ask both of you the question, and you can answer it in any way, shape, or form that you like. Um, so, um, yeah. How should I pronounce your name, by the way? Um, is it Ati? Ati, like, how do you want me to call you? Ati. Ati, all right. Uh, Ati, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Really, really appreciate you for um, um, for taking the time to be with your mom and, 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 and be in this conversation. Um, so, Brooke, Ati, when... Uh, yeah, what was the when, when when I talk when I say something say something like indigenous knowledge, what is the conversation, the talk, or experience that that pops up into your head? 
What do you think? When we say indigenous knowledge, what comes to mind? What did you just tell me earlier? So we were talking earlier and Ati said which is genealogy. Genealogy, okay. So, so um, not not a lot of people understand what genealogy is. So, like, what, what is it? What conversation are you are you having, Ati, um, um, with with your cousins, maybe, um, about yeah, your your knowledge of be being from Marshall Islands. Well, uh, talk a little louder. Talk to Ghazali. Happy birthday, first of all, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, yeah, maybe. We, so, yeah. Uh, I'm with my aunt right now, and it's all my cousins and all my brothers and uncles. And she told us to gather around her so she could talk with us like we we don't know about another like we don't know is you my brother or minimum mm -hmm. So say genealogy. We don't know our genealogy. So she told us to sit down and she told us, I'm your brother, you're her uncle. Uh, yeah, so right now, you know, we're getting uh, underway for Christmas. So uh, actually, Ati has been here for about two weeks now. And he'll stay with his aunt, um, who is also, she's one of the traditional leaders. She's a female chief. Um, so mm -hmm. he's, he, she takes all the kids and, um, and then keeps them with her until after Christmas. So they can all be together and, uh, you know, reinforce all of this. Yeah. Uh, so when he came, when he came, there were a couple of instances of some of the cousins not understanding where he fit in the picture because they hadn't seen him in so long or they had grown up here in Majuro and or they had grown up in different places. So, um, yeah, she's really been um, talking to them a lot so they understand how everybody is related, who's related to who, how do you address this person, how do you address this person. Mm. Which is really good. I miss him, but you know, this is something that I, <laughs> I obviously <laughs> can't give to him. So, yeah. You, you like learning that, Ati? Is, is it something that you like to learn? Yes. Because I don't want to my tradition. Sorry, come again. Sorry. I don't want to forget my tradition. Mm. So I could and, and, okay. Yeah, I, I need to learn to not talk through when people are talking. Um, so could, could you could you please please repeat the what you just said? Say it again. Parvama. I don't want to forget my tradition. Mm. 
And so I pass it on. So you can. Oh, right, if that's you amazing. I'm finding a quiet place, the valley. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, it is me. Like it is. It is this. 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 I don't know. Like this strange desire for me to 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 talk, and and I should learn really learn to not to do that. Ati, um, I'm I'm curious. What would you like to do when you grow up? I want to be a scientist. Wow. Okay. And 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 what what kind of scientist? Any kind of scientist, or what would you like to do? Like a nuclear physicist or something? A nuclear physicist. Wow, that that is specific and relevant. <laughs> okay, and and um, and how did you Why? come up with, come up with that? Like, yeah. because my where I'm from, uh. When the war was here, there was a lot of nuclear bombs detonated here. And so I want to learn and so I could try to get rid of the nuclear. Right. And so so your your idea is to get rid of the nuclear. That that, that that's beautiful. It's such when how old are you, Ati? So that people know so that people 12. know twelve. And what what is um your, your friends what 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 is, what do, would they like to become or what did they like to what kind of job do would they like to have later? Do you know? Uh, I don't I don't really ask them. <laughs> and so you want to what? So that's what you want to. And what makes you happy? What makes you happy? Being around my family. And what does what is um what does your family do that makes you happy? We we laugh and we work together. We make jokes together. Mm -hmm. I'm here, my auntie. We're at the church and we make songs because every Christmas we song, we sing songs and dance at the church. Mm -hmm. So we're making up dances and we call, we call the dances beat. Uh, sorry, what do you call the dance? Beats. Beats. I'm. I'm not going to ask you to 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 do it uh, in front of a lot of people that are that are it watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's 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 not a thing. Um. So, what do you like ab about um being? Yeah. It's, yeah. Maybe I should start with that. Um. Do you know what indigenous like yeah, what is what does indigenous mean to you? I know I know what you said, but 
What does it mean to you when you hear that? When you feel, does it feel a certain way? Do you think about a certain thing or? I think about my ancestors and how they suffered and how they did everything indigenously, right? And how how did that make you feel when when you think about it? Oh, sorry. He just said he thinks about how they made boats and. <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, Ati, he, thank you so much. Like, like Ali, you know, so we free schools. I, you know, I'm really uh, conscious about the boys not, not uh, being too indoctrinated because that mm -hmm. comes at every single angle. So I don't know. I guess I hope for them if they think about, you know, what indigenous means, it's just like, they are just living it so much. They're not, I, as for as long as I can, I hope they can just stay rooted in themselves and not have to step out of that part of themselves. Right. Is, is that a, uh, what you're seeing on, on the Marshall Islands, is that a, is that a bigger challenge or is, is it, is it um, something that's very, um, yeah, very, very and is, is small? local concern uh, I think you know I hope it's growing but you know people are don't really talk about indigeneity so much colonialism things like that so mm -hmm. um, I guess it's a bit uh, confronting to a lot of people to see somebody who looks like me to be, you know, ha seeing us live more indigenous, more Maltese and more, mm. you know, rebelle, like what I am. Brooke, um, you, you're doing an amazing job. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not saying this lightly, um, cause I, yeah, like, cause, um, we obviously we have conversations, um, and, and um, yeah, so you, you do an amazing job. You're raising an, uh, amazing, amazing boys. Um, one is Ati, 12 years, and already knowing uh, what uh, he wants to do, which is also, yeah, uh, trying to fix the community in, in a way. Um, so I, I think that is um, that is a testament to you, your um, yeah, your relationship with, with Ati and and your kids and and. Um, um, yeah, the way that you raise them. Um, so, um, Ati is such a, an amazing. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun talking to you. Gazali, uh, um, there's a yeah. there's a frigate bird that just flew above. That's what he's looking at. So a that's a really bird. good sign. Uh, uh, they call it Ak here. So that's a good sign. A good birthday sign for you. The one is oh. just been flying around up here. 
Thank you so much. Yeah, like frigate birds are are very known in in my neck of the woods as well on my side, like on our islands. Uh, we, also, as a, as a sign of, of good messaging, good messages. So, um, yeah, appreciate uh, for um, Brooke and Ati for getting on the show. Um, it, it is um, I've been able, like Svetka has been looking at me, like like she's the producer of all this, uh, looking at me like. Um, um, yeah, like th there's not a lot of time, but I I've been able to stretch it because uh, I, I love talking to, uh, yeah, to 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 you, uh, Brooke and, and Ati it was very much a pleasure to meeting you, and yeah, um, we're doing soon. Maybe you're interested in in it, uh, something similar, but only for indigenous children. Yes. Um, we're going to. Um, ask them about um, who they want to become and what they would like to see in the future. Um, so, Ati, um, this is um, my team will hate me for this, but I'm because uh, I'm already like spilling the beans. Uh, but I would love to have you uh, um, on on the show if you would love if, if you would, if you like to, of course. And you don't have to say yes now. Um, you, you can think about it. Talk to talk over it with you with your mom. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll Brooke. We'll talk later. Thank you so, two of you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. it means a lot to me. Thanks, Kazali. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun. Brooke and Ati, mom and son. Um, yeah, indigenous knowledge is not just about like the grown-ups talking, and um, uh, but it's also when it comes to indigenous knowledge, is about transfer. And uh, maintain, maintaining knowledge, and who better than to talk to uh, the kids? Actually, um, the the children, and um, yeah, maybe it's, yeah, it feels kind of nat natural, obviously, um, to be in front of a camera. Um, but I really appreciate them for being in the for being in a conversation. Really appreciate it, um, Svetka. Um, I'm curious, who is uh, next? Um, um on on the on the show ding, 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 ding. it's is it dr rosa it is a mystery that that's what 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 Zvetka says in the in the comments um i see two uh us uh, i see two connections one with the university of south pacific so as and one is with dr rosa itself herself so I hopefully um, we maybe bring in all three of them. Like it, it it messes up the whole thing, but so that, that we can pick out well which one works. Oh, I hear some. I hear something. And. Which gives me a little bit of time to eat. Um, on my um, I've, uh, Dr. Rosa, thank you so much. I, I'm, you gave me a little bit of time to eat my uh, some more um, pineapple. I had a whole bunch of pineapples to um, get through the four hours of uh, talking to anyone. You see me? I can see you. I can hear you a little bit. Oh, we're, we're, we're getting we're getting closer. We're, we're making progress. Um. 
her beep. So that's good. Um, Dr. Rosa, are, are we, um, is there is there a delay or is it, um, are we okay in terms of connection? Um, well, because I, I, I see two, like on the back end, uh, I see Zvetka um, trying to struggle with like who's figuring out like which, That's which one. Is like... That's fine. We're going to see Mike. So, I... oh, I, 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 I had a good, good, at least sound was okay for a brief, brief second. Um, hold on. I have. So yeah, we have a little bit of time actually. So we'll try to. Um, yeah, try try to stick with Dr. Rosa. Um, if if it's if it's working or not. Um, I see at least I see some movement in the back end. So like we, what people are not seeing is 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 the obviously the the studio, and um, that we have the guests that are coming in through uh, through the links through the networks. Um, so we have some image with some some movement on yeah. the phone, ringing. Saving. Um, uh -uh. But so what's the problem? It is. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe um, maybe we could try to do that. Yeah, very good idea, uh, Zvetka, too. Mm -hmm. Dr. Rosa, maybe you could uh, switch off your camera and um, yeah, keep your micro microphone on. Is, is that something that you maybe we can, something that we can do on the back end, probably? Maybe. I don't know. No, you cannot do that. So, Dr. Rosa, is it an idea that you um, click on stop cam camera um, so that we cannot see you, unfortunately, but we can okay. talk to you? Maybe that is um, something that we could try. Because, um, yeah, image carries, yeah, it's a lot heavier on uh, on the waves, obviously. And Hi, are you able to hear me? Ooh, yeah, we're getting there. Oh, uh, yeah, um, uh, Dr. Rosa, if you could switch off your camera, and uh, but keep on oh. keep on your 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 um sound. Okay. I think that we might not be able to see you, but we can hear you. Uh, so we at least we have fifty percent of half of 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 Dr. Rosa. So I think I hope that it's um, improving a little bit. Probably has, has to connection has to adjust a little bit. Um, yeah, like Dr. Rosa was supposed to uh, um, come in at the at the at the beginning. Um, so we had some technical difficulties uh, in the beginning as well. So um, Dr. Rosa has done some some work. Try to try to fix. Uh, Rebecca, I have a meeting. And yeah, so Dr. Rosa, maybe it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's better to switch off the camera so that we can uh, not see you, but we can hear you. Uh, maybe that's a, an, an idea to, um, to try out. Um, okay, camera's off, all right. So let, let, let's, let's give this a try with, without camera, but with sound. So Dr. Rosa, if you can hear me, um, could you, um, yeah, say Bula? <laughs> okay. Do, do, do. 
all right what we let's all right um we can definitely try something else um because i think that is yeah it's like i don't know mine is okay mine mine is from tuvalu as well and then um and he he had a great connection and then dr dr langi um at the university of south pacific in tuvalu yeah, um uh, was um yeah was is having difficulties so um all right so um um i'll let zvetka we'll we'll, we'll do some magic behind the scenes I'm, I'm seeing that there's a she has an idea um so that we can um um Bring um, um, Dr. 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 Lange into the conversation. So maybe Dr. Lange, if we if we let you and Svetka deal with that, then I can move to the next guest um, um, respectfully, so that we can um, um, yeah, and hopefully that you come back um, when we have connection. So and I see myself. So, oh, there he is, um, Dr. Katie. Um, um, thank you so much for being with us, Hi. even though it's. Um, Svetka, you 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 still have uh, like I'm looking at Dr. Katie, but like yeah, thank you so much, um, and props, hands off uh, to 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 Svetka for doing all this, and like she's doing an amazing job in, in the in the back end of everything. Really appreciate it, um, Dr. Katie. Um, thank you so much for obviously for being on the show. Um, I was you were recommended um, ex quite extensively um, to be on the show. Um, obviously, um, Auntie Lilikala um, and uh, Auntie Kalei as well. And um, I think also a mutual friend of ours, um, Adrian Kamali, um, that um, yeah, also su suggested that, that, you know, like, why, why, why did you bring her on the show? So um, by all means, or I don't even know if it was Adrian. I know. Anyway, anyway, there were so many people. Um, let, just because we have limited time and I'm rattling off and that's not the meaning of this whole exercise. Um, Dr. Katie, when, where is Indigenous knowledge going right now um, from, from, from the way that you're thinking about it? Yeah, maybe that, that's the best question. How did you think about the question before we go into the answer of it? I think about that question related to communities, not just within our islands, but within um, the globe and Pacifica and what we learn from each other, um, the practices, the knowledge, the um, approaches to all different levels of governance is really important. So that's kind of how I think about that question. And um, when it, um uh, Dr. Keloha, uh, sorry, like I'm, I'm, I'm asking you questions of previous uh, guests as well. Um, but um, she, any, any thoughts on because that it's a very hot topic within the indigenous world. Uh, difference, indigenous knowledge, traditional knowledge. Do you make a difference? Do you make that distinction, or is it similar in, in your view? Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think um, Adrian had recommended that I follow you. So I started following you and you had brought up the idea about knowledge of indigenous peoples versus local knowledge, traditional ecological knowledge or indigenous and local knowledge. And so um, my background is as a botanist and I do more um, ethno stuff. So I study the relationships between people and their environment, specifically in school of plants. 
but we kind of look at the whole system now. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the relationship is really important. So um, governance is one type of relationship, ritual and practice is another type of relationship, although they can cross together and be interrelated. Mm -hmm. So yeah, can you repeat the question? I like lost the train of no, thought. No, no, that, it, it was perfect. Like uh, it is. Um, oh, the is yeah, yeah. So between, um, training yeah. in the writing, uh, most of it came from journals. And so, um, but you're operating in the United Nations. And so Lily Kala um, has encouraged me to go. And so I haven't made that step yet, but I wanted to be more informed about what terminologies are being used in policy um, mm -hmm. at different levels because everyone uses and likes to be uh, similar to prefer pronouns, but differently um, different indigenous peoples like to be recognize how they like to be recognized as should be the case. Mm -hmm. um, and so that doesn't always translate into written policy. Um, and so if we're trying to engage different rungs of policy, whether it be United Nations or a county or a state or a nation, um, being aware of all those different terminologies and who's using them is critical for identifying who you're talking to. and um, are those the people that like, if you have objectives, you have a specific audience and is that the audience that you're talking to? So it depends who I'm talking to, but as you see, I've been incorporating knowledge of indigenous peoples, even though I just got a proposal with indigenous mm. knowledge, um, local knowledge. So yeah, it depends who you're talking to, I'd say with that. Yeah. And your goals. Uh, yeah. Very much appreciate you for unpacking that and and elaborating more about about that because um, just just so, so people know is that the, the why I, at least I make that distinction between uh, I like to not to use traditional knowledge because it is a a a, uh, a term that has been touted by the United Nations introduced by the United Nations we did not have any say in it uh, so but we had to use it though um, and going to knowledge of Indigenous peoples. Um, Again, like like you said, uh, Dr. Katie, is that um, there's this people like to use traditional ecological not ecological knowledge or indigenous uh, ecological knowledge or whatever. Um, but like, um, and your your thoughts on this as well. As I finish this thought, um, there's this understanding that indigenous knowledge is with the peoples, like right? it it is with the peoples and not in, in books. Hence, why. Um, rights, uh, there needs to be this rights element. Um, indigenous peoples is recognized by the United Nations. Um, so any, any thoughts on, yeah, indigenous peoples, do you agree, disagree that indigenous peoples, of in, indigenous knowledge is with the peoples? I think it has to be um, living or at least have some form of access and books are a form of access. Native Hawaiians have a large repository of newspapers and wrote voraciously as soon as the um, printing press became available in the 1800s, early, uh, early 1900s. And so we draw a lot of that, a lot of um, inspiration and filling in the gaps. A famous book is called Fragments of Hawaiian History and so it's really a lot of um, a lot of those writings, though, that we have are um, they're formulas. 
-hmm. they tell you exactly what to do but it's also the design of how they teach it's not just about one two three but about the governance the ritual the practice the connectivity within the communities not just human but non-human and elements so um but to communicate those things um must live beyond the pages of a book and must live through practice um and that looks different in these times and um are adaptive um depending on if you're urban or rural or um anywhere in between dr katie a, a question that is asked a lot and may maybe you have some you have some thoughts on it as well um projects being led by that that are non Nonprofit organizations, conservation organizations that want um, indigenous peoples to lead the process, uh, lead, these, lead these projects. Um, anything that you want them to think about, like in terms of respecting indigenous peoples' rights, uh, indigenous knowledge, um, et, et cetera, et cetera. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm working on a few projects like that right now. And what really is being requested by communities is um, compensation for um, expertise, time, and um, professionalism, just as they're being approached by these agencies and nonprofits. And so for the burden to not be on indigenous communities wholly to um, you know, carry these projects from beginning to end because those resources are limited and the same ones are always tapped out. So um, there's fatigue and there's burnout a lot of times. And so mm -hmm. we're trying to create this narrative of if you want someone to do something from indigenous community for that intent, then you should look at them as um, a contractor. And I know that's sometimes a taboo thing to talk about is the exchange of money, but we're really mm -hmm. talking about experience that has been um, accumulated over a, a, a long period of time, sometimes multi-generations, um, and practice. And so those things um, are regenerative. If we provide and reflect the value that we say that they have. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, quick sidestep. Um, uh, it, it has a little bit uh, to do with indigenous knowledge. Um, but I think trying to be as valuable as possible to, to the people that are watching, especially we had a lot of youth watching and children as well uh, um for example just now we had uh, an amazing kid a 12 year old from um uh, marshall islands anything that in terms of personal experience about in terms of about um uh pursuing um yeah paths that you would like to uh um yeah or, or dreams of, of of yourself or families um and trying to fulfill that like does that make any sense like um uh, yeah like achieving goals i think that that's what it is um like how to achieve goals yeah because uh you you, ha you had uh, in your in uh things that, that what i want to talk about or like you i'm alluding to is your personal experience um is that like um your postdoctoral um and and you're a doctor now um but it has not come like and been, been thrown into your lap uh, obviously oh, yeah um, so can you can you talk a little bit more about that uh, as it is something that is very relevant to Indigenous youth, particularly right now? Yeah, so I, I would say um, the biggest takeaway is 
um, in Hawaii, we follow, we say like, follow your na'a or follow your gut, your gut feeling, your intuition. And I really believe that's how I got here. Um, I just followed this path that felt good. Um, it wasn't always easy. Um, it wasn't always kind, but um, I believed in, and I had an intention of what I was holding through that time, which essentially broke down to healing my mother who passed away 10 years ago during my first year in my doctoral um, practice mm -hmm. and, or training. So um, you can imagine that's devastating. And so finding myself again, but in order to achieve that, um, there's, it's not just you get into school and you get out. There's all these little, um, what do you call it? Rites of passage, I'll go with calling them. Just as at home, there's different rites of passage when you grow up. Mm -hmm. And so if you focus on those rites of passage one at a time, instead of looking at the whole thing, then it becomes more attainable and you can focus your energy on what you really wanna do. Um, and if it doesn't work out, then you can pivot. Um, I found out a lot of things that I didn't like doing throughout this journey. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am now. I'm very mm -hmm. fortunate to work with um, Native Hawaiian communities and trying or um, having them lead um, nonprofits and agencies in a team and um, have the agencies respond to them as they would a normal contractor. So I'm growing the expectations of these agencies and nonprofits to come with a budget, come with um, recommendations, provide a step-by-step -step of how this project's gonna get done and who's gonna monitor it. Because um, though the community is the overseer, um, there's a sensibility of living there, especially in drought conditions. But then there's also the recognition of people having professional backgrounds and experiences and utilizing them to benefit the local community. So step-by-step step, um, and volunteer is probably the biggest thing that has helped me out and um, doing things because I want to and people recognizing that and asking me to do things like come on here and stuff yeah. like that. No, appreciate you. Um, um, mahalo for your time, uh, Dr. Katie. Um, also, I just want to put it out, put it out right now. Uh, um, I'm doing also a longer form podcast, like 60 minutes, because we, we can we can talk more about this. Because I'm not I know that there's a lot more about like like drought knowledge, Indigenous peoples, Native Hawaiians mindset, and everything else that you 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 talk about. Obviously, we only have 10 minutes. I already been a little bit into overtime. Um, so appreciate you for your time. Uh, um, uh, aloha to, to everyone, your Ohana and everyone else. Appreciate you for, for, for being yeah. coming on the show. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Mahalo. All right. So that was, um, are you, how are you doing? Uh, sorry, you had to wait because uh, we, we had to do something. Uh, some things behind the scenes, but appreciate you for 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 uh, getting on on the show. Um, really, um, you were the, you were the first one of the first ones actually like to jump on mm. the channel. Like, all right, let, let's 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 do this. So appreciate you for uh, for for doing that. Um, just yeah, question that is asked to everyone, um, and including yourself. How did you synthesize that question? Where is indigenous knowledge right now? Um, and and mm. any thoughts that you can share. Kazali, thank you for having me. I'm uh, just 
to land. I'm here in Boonwarrung country on the lands of the Kulin Nations in South Melbourne, Australia. And um, the question, where is Indigenous knowledge now? I think, you know, where is the world heading now? We need a different, we need to follow different pathways. And so uh, having, uh, respecting Indigenous knowledge and listening to Indigenous peoples is really the only way we're going to find a pathway through to our future. So that's mm -hmm. where I see it now as being critical to the future of life on this amazing planet. And where is, um, and this is, um, and where do you like to see it going? Um, like w it's easy, virtually easy to talk mm. about where it is right now, uh, but it's much more important, obviously, to talk about where uh, Indian knowledge should be going, uh, particularly in the Pacific context. Um, any any thoughts mm. that, um, on that? Uh, when I think about it, I think really, you know, in Indigenous voices should be being listened to. And I was listening to Katie talk about, you know, just respecting Indigenous peoples as practitioners with knowledge that's equal to Western science um, mm. and beyond, you know, people should be paid as specialists for their expertise and their knowledge and that knowledge should be recognised as, as equal or greater to than, than just a Western science approach to how we start to work on or fix some of the problems that exist. And a great example of that from Australia is cultural fire. Uh, mm -hmm. And what we've seen across Northern Australia is 10 years ago, uh, Aboriginal people weren't allowed to practice their burning. Um, and there's massive, you know, we saw across Southern Australia, these huge wildfires over summer. Um, and what's happened across the North where there's more Indigenous um, owned lands, and where Aboriginal people have been able to get back out and re-practice their cultural fire is a 50% reduction in wildfire. Um, mm. And at the beginning of that reintroduction, there was a big pushback from the states and the agencies saying, well, Indigenous people don't know, you know, they're just getting out there and lighting up country and there's no regulations or practices. But over time, what we've seen is a real appreciation for that knowledge system and a real understanding of how uh, in tune with the environment and nature cultural burning is and what how much it refreshes and rejuvenates um so that's just one example mm -hmm. no obviously and like and thank you so much for bringing that up uh, also next speaker is also uh, um mm. uh, talking about that as well um any what is the biggest mix, misconception that that you would like to address in in that sense um, of of when it comes to like uh, um, yeah uh, the fire method um, if if I may call it that way um, mm -hmm. that you would like to address because there's so many misconceptions out there um, anything that's what's the biggest one and how would you address it? Mm. I think a really great example of that is one of the pieces that we're doing at the moment is adapting that knowledge system from across Northern Australia, the Savannah burning method, um, which reduces carbon emissions uh, and has created this flourishing industry across Northern Australia for Africa at the moment. And what we did was we took some of the ranges from Northern Australia into Botswana um, and the Botswanans challenged us to a burn off. And they were like, you know, this is our country and we know how to look after it. And we've been trained in prescribed burning fire practices and they had their whole team out with their whistles and their fire trucks and 
taught how to put burn lines through the land. But when the rangers, the Aboriginal rangers from Northern Australia came in, they knew how to work with the wind and they knew how to put fire in so that it would come together and then burn very gently. And there was probably about 200 people from, from the fire agencies across the Botswana there watching who just said, that is incredible that you can come with that knowledge from a country totally different to here and apply that in this similar landscape. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's just a really practical example of how people's perceptions of uh, what's possible and what is possible can be quite different. Oh, th thank you. Thank you. And um, um, if I, if you um, a quick pivot actually, because that is that's what you, the Polynesian Foundation is also working on is more, more in context of climate change, the climate crisis. Um, any any ways that you see? Uh, or would like to see in elevating Indigenous people's knowledge in that context of climate, um, the climate change crisis? Yeah, well, like I said at the beginning, I think it's critical to the climate change crisis, you know, creating climate resilient futures, just the knowledge that Indigenous people have of seasons and seasonal indicators and how that is then brought in to be able to monitor the changes in climate. So what are we seeing? You know, we're not seeing that um, the oysters are milky at this time of year. We're not. We're seeing changes in our seasonal indicators, and what is that telling us? And how do we start to adapt to those changes? But mm -hmm. also, what are some of the tools that we can be using from our knowledge, from indigenous knowledge systems, to be creating more resilient places? Um, and knowing, you know, different using different food systems being introduced into kind of the mainstream Indigenous foods um, so that we're not having such a big impact on our earth when we're producing, you know, food um, for local communities. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot to unpack in that space and I think Indigenous knowledge is critical. No, no, thank you so much for, 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 um, for that. Um, yeah, like you, because um, not a lot of people know about the, the Polynesian Foundation. So, like, give you like the, the the final the three four three four minutes to to plug that a little bit, explain a little bit, because um, right. I, I think it's very interesting. And you're the executive director, so you you do know. Um, so yeah, um, uh, by all means. Cool. Thanks, Kasali. Um, so Polynesian Foundation, we're we're new. We're a new foundation. Uh, set up a year ago, we're a, a part of a group, a global group called Pollination that is um, focused on the transition to net zero emissions, climate resilient future. The group uh, is global in footprint, so is advising governments and corporates around the world on their transition strategies. Um, and the foundation has been set up with a focus on new climate solutions, investing in nature and people in nature. Um, particularly Indigenous-led solutions. So our board includes um, global climate leaders as well as Indigenous people. And we're focusing here in Australia at the moment, which is where we're based in the foundation, um, on some on seeding and growing new ideas and new approaches and community-owned nature-based solutions. So rather than... Uh, having brokers or conservation groups, having those solutions embedded and owned by local communities like the Savannah Burning um, across Northern Australia. And then the other piece that we do is connect 
communities globally through knowledge sharing. So we're at the moment facilitating a, a knowledge sharing network that um, supports projects in Australia and Canada and Peru through the BHP Foundation to be coming together and sharing their knowledge and expertise uh, so that we can all be learning from each other. Hmm. Hmm. No, appreciate it because um, uh, um, yeah, obviously when when we first um, um, yeah, exchange emails, text messages, and, and everything else, like um, I was very keen to learn about the, the Planet Foundation, um, like the, the work that it does. So appreciate you for um, yeah, explaining that a little bit. Um, any um, any final thoughts? Um, obviously, something that you're like, oh my God, Ghazali, why didn't you ask me about that? Mm -hmm. um, um, or you want people to think about uh, or, uh, yeah, any concerns maybe in terms of Indigenous knowledge where it is right now? Mm. I think um, just building on, on what Katie was saying previously, that investment into people is so important and investment into governance and Indigenous governance and strong foundations is what creates that strong platform for then new knowledge and collaboration to be able to occur in, in equal, in an equal partnership way. Um, and I think that often gets overlooked, the importance mm. of yeah. that investment. And we need to be doing more of that, empowering communities. Mm. I appreciate it. Thank you so much uh, for your time, for being on the show. I know it's only yeah. 10 minutes, but like, I think it's been really valuable. And um, hopefully, uh, I'll definitely know that we will continue the conversation um, about climate change, indigenous knowledge, and everything else offline. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and um, yeah, really looking forward to um, staying in touch, obviously, and uh, appreciate you for your time, for your work, yeah, um, and, 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 and everything else, obviously. Thank you so much. And um, I think what you're doing is awesome. Great way to oh, elevate so diverse voices. <laughs> and great to hear so many youth voices too. So thanks for having me at your birthday party. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's uh, um, yeah. It's it's my pleasure. Like it's it's having it's fun having being of value on your on your birthday party. Um, mm, yeah. Whereas I never do host or organize a birthday party. So um, yeah. this feels kind of unnatural to me. So might as well lean into it and then be a, mm. some kind of create some kind of platform for, um, for yeah for for something or for people. So this is what mm. it is. Um, so yeah, appreciate you for for acknowledging that. Thank you so much. Yeah, mm, super cool. Well done. <laughs> Thank you so much. See you. Bye. Have a great day. And obviously, we're seeing in. in Australia is this, this is what I uh, what I've uh, what I've seen, um, Jessica. I think I'm uh, of all the guests, I am the most envious of you, uh, <laughs> because of your view uh, right now. Like I like I like um, Svetka is in Canada right now doing all this. I'm, it, I'm it's cold everywhere. Um, Brooke was, yeah, she was also in a warm place. Um, um, but like it looks like the aesthetics of this is 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 perfect. Um, um, by all means, also uh, what I forgot, land acknowledgement. Obviously, uh, where are you right now? Sure, I'm. Hello, <laughs> Yama. Um, so I am in Newcastle, New South Wales, on a Wobbicle country. I'd like to pay my respects to elders, past, present, and future. I'm a Nyampa Wangaiban woman, um, which is central New South Wales. 
Thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to the previous speakers, uh, to Ariadne as well, for, for not bringing that land acknowledgement up. Um, I think I know for, for especially in Australia, that it's it's a thing, and that's something that we should always do, um, like all around the world. But really, um, yeah, thank you so much for for, for acknowledging that. Um, uh, what was I talking about? Um, yes, yeah, Firesticks Alliance. You are a board member, and I think either in 747 is flying over you or <laughs> um um uh, so so luckily it's not it's not my microphone that, that, that that's doing that um yeah from your perspective personally as well as professionally whatever however you want to start um how did you think about the question where is indigenous knowledge right now any thoughts that that immediately surfaced uh, you know, if you had have asked me about five years ago, I would have had a very different answer to what I'm going to give you now. But I feel like Indigenous knowledge is in the stage of a revival. Uh, so I guess in that essence... Pardon me for interrupting. What, what was your thought five years ago then? My thoughts five years ago was uh, where is my culture? Where is, uh, you know, how can we embed this? And, um, you know, where's the respect and reciprocity for shared mm. knowledge systems. Thank you. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. But definitely, I feel, um, particularly in, in the stage of where the Fire Sticks Alliance is, is in a state of revival and um, embedding cultural knowledge. Mm. Okay. Um, in, in, in your experience, uh, when um when you go into a conversation about indigenous knowledge it do you um for example with with what's the difference between and that having a conversation with indigenous peoples and non-indigenous peoples um what's the difference that that, that you're experiencing yeah so i'm experiencing from mob so from indigenous peoples um they're their essence of revival. Um, I'm, I'm experiencing their, yeah, they're being supported to revive their knowledge within country and practice that knowledge. So cultural fire particularly brings out a sense of knowing, being and participating, practicing your cultural knowledge about a certain vegetation type so that you can apply that cultural knowledge and respect that it needs. I think it's, um, you know, from a, from a non-Indigenous perspective, there's wonder um, and there's trust building that's in a stage of this revival um, that's allowing these practices to be embedded in our ecosystems. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of in your, like you've been, um, is, is it safe to say that you've been um, not only for a very long time with the Fire Six Alliance, but like it, it's like, it's, you see saw grow uh, um, like uh, just from, um, um, for a very long board members since it was created um how like take us through through that development uh, actually in terms of um of, of that alliance how how it's um yeah how how it grew uh, i would i would say uh, so it grew from like-mindedness but my journey uh began with when i was 19 years old working with um one of the uncles uncle rod mason uh, in the snowy mountains he was only was one of only five Indigenous people that, that lived in the Narago country um, in the snowy parts of Australia, New South Wales. Um, 
and he was trying really hard within national parks to get them to apply a cultural fire uh, but there was no policies and procedures to allow for that cultural fire to take place mm-hmm. over the next couple of years there was a transition where policies were created to allow for cultural burning uh, within state government uh, programs such as national parks and wildlife and other respective land holdings mm-hmm. um, so I saw that grow uh, and then applying cultural fire um, was that that moment of knowing that this is something that I need to get behind and uh, yeah, really understand myself. I went up to Cape York, um, which is in Queensland, New South Wales, uh, Queensland, and I met with Victor Stephenson and Dr Peter Stanley, who are um, now employed by the Fire Sticks Alliance to deliver the monitoring and the cultural values and the application of cultural fire for our organisation and support that revival within, um, you know, our our local communities. I think um, Katie was mentioning before that, you know, it needs that Indigenous leadership and and that's what we we help facilitate is the local mobs um, being the leaders in the application of cultural fire within their area and restoring or reviving and allowing that practice to return to country. Mm-hmm. And the Fire Sticks Alliance itself was created in 2016 and uh, it was on the back of a National Indigenous Fire Workshop that we were holding in um, Cape York and the Fire Sticks Alliance was created to to allow for bigger and, and um, more intimate ways of transferring cultural Indigenous knowledge um, mm-hmm. and allowing workshops to happen at a regional, local and national level. Um, uh, and, uh, Jessica, also a question that, that comes into my mind as well is like um, beginning of the year, obviously the, the forest fires uh, occurred. Um, response what was the response of fire six alliance and and, and like uh, how did you, uh yeah the, res- the response I'm, I'm i'm interested in and um in terms of yeah and how did, did that relate to was indigenous knowledge the use of indigenous knowledge in that response yeah um it was the first time that we were really engaged to be on a platform that large um the bushfires so that that allowed us to have our voice um, last year during uh, November, December, January, we were constantly being engaged to really talk about what cultural burning is, how it can be embedded into best practice and allowing Indigenous leadership. I think Victor Stephenson talks in his book Fire Country about having um, everyone on the bus uh, rather than just having someone in, in the driver's seat and leaving other people behind. You know, everyone's the bus that, in that bus and we're, we're reapplying uh, this cultural practice back in country based on vegetation types and law systems that have been, in, you know, embedded within our country here in Australia, um, all the way, you know, from the tip to the tail down in Tassie. Um, these the, Australia was formed on cultural firing and that's the biggest message I think that people started to realise was that, you know, Australia for thousands and thousands of years was that it was it was built up with fire um, in a cool, calm way. It wasn't feared. Um, and, you know, people were experiencing a lot of fear during those bushfires last year and this allowed for a lot of um, 
transition into that process of of mm -hmm. hope and understanding of these cultural practices. Um, thank thank you so much for for for, for outlining that because that's not what a lot of people want the news obviously but they don't know like how the the response of indigenous peoples and particularly the um um the um the fire stick alliance um as well um for any anything in terms of final thoughts and i know there's a lot more that we could touch upon um but obviously svetka only allows me 10 minutes uh, in total um so anything that i forgot to ask you um, or you really want to, to highlight or to talk about? Yeah, I think um, uh, just re-mentioning that, that um, you know, the pathways to design for the revival of cultural practices, um, you know, is allowing that from a local level um, and having that support, you know, practising that knowledge in country. I know that there's a lot of mobs and Indigenous people around the world who have, from that colonisation experience, not been allowed to practice their cultural ways of maintaining country for, you know, for the ecosystems, for gathering, for food, for so many reasons, for that connection, and it's valued. Um, I, I think that you know the, this transition that we're in to revival has allowed for those voices to be heard in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and for um, trust building that that's the platform for um, where Indigenous knowledge is going now. Um, I think observing, I, I think I mentioned in the, the little survey that you sent through that observing um, connection, understanding, silent knowing and um, the progress of reciprocity to mob. I think uh, it was also mentioned there by Katie and the last lady that was on, she yeah, there, there's that sense of um, reciprocity that needs to happen for Indigenous knowledge um, and just understanding what reciprocity can come in lots of different forms um, mm -hmm. and that, you know, that, you know, knowledge is valued through reciprocity as well. Um, yeah, I think I'll probably finish on that and, and say happy birthday to you. <laughs> thank you, um, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you for inviting me on here to, to talk about other Th projects. Thank, yeah. No, thank you. And, and I, I apologize. I had actually, like, I'm, I'm looking at my notes right now that I really want to talk to you about pathways and design and reciprocity. Um, so I, I apologize for, for, for not, um, yeah, not coming to that towards that sooner because in and um a something like reciprocity it is very much um talked about but not really yeah in, in a in a in a way where what it should be talked about actually when it comes to especially when it comes to indigenous indigenous um knowledge and i i think i there's a book i can't remember the author um as we have always done it talks about um, when it comes to indigenous knowledge, respect, reciprocity, consent, empathy. All these, all these things are so important when it comes to indigenous knowledge and understanding indigenous knowledge. If you want to understand indigenous knowledge, you need to deploy reciprocity and empathy, consent, and respect. Um, so, uh, um, yeah. So, thank you so much for, um, yeah, like, yeah. So, thank you so much. Like, I, I just, um, let's talk.
at a different time, whereas you do, we don't have to like spend only 10 minutes, but I like more in depth ab about, about, um, ab about all this. Um, because I'm um, there's, there's now like five, 10, 12 questions more that are coming up in, in my head. Um, I apologize for that. So, um, thank you so much for, for your time, Jessica, and, um, really appreciate you for doing what you do. You work the, the, the work that you do, um, and, and being on the show, obviously, and, um, hopefully you have to have a, have a great day as well. Um, um, continuation of your day and the view, like, like, uh, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's quite beautiful here. I hope you heard some birds in the background too. There's yes, some magical yes. birds here. In <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Apart from Thanks the, the, the Boeing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. All right. All right. Um, think though that was Jessica and now like we we supposed to be um as some other like have some other guests on uh, at this point um I do well I do not see other um people that that was yeah there, there was we had a if you look uh, if you if you're part of the community you have received uh, several emails which includes um, um, the the the, um, the meaning why uh, would um, I am doing this, the um, um, the how to indigenous now Pacific edition, bringing in um, yeah people from all demographics in, in the Pacific, indigenous, non-indigenous, uh, uh, youth, elders, uh, um, children, um, academics, uh, uh, students, um, just to yeah have them all have a, have a chat for ten minutes. Talk about one singular question: Where is Indian's knowledge going right now? And the idea is is actually to to give you some an a Regis Digest version of of uh, where Indian's knowledge is according to these people. Um, this whole thing is not meant to be a um, a a what uh, um, yeah how would, it, how would you say like a, like a bookwork or authoritative thing but it is um yeah it is these are conversation starters speaking of conversation starters uh we now have uh brandon makaava uh, going back to the nation of hawaii um uh brandon is deputy head of state um and um you probably know brandon um if not from the forum but also from one of the episodes of hawaii 50 uh where he is um <laughs> <laughs> where um like a nation of hawaii has been as like probably one of the few indigenous nations around the world that has been in at least several feature tv shows and films as well i think aloha was one uh where, where uh, obviously head of state um bumpy uh dennis bumpy kanahele uh played a formidable role and as well as um i can't remember season and episode of Hawaii Five O, uh, but we're not going to talk about that. Obviously, we're not going to talk about the, like we're talk, going to talk about more important stuff. Brandon, I want to pick your brain um, because I think when I pick your brain, we'll get to mindsets. We get to uh, um, something that's very valuable to Indigenous peoples uh, because we've been talking about decolonization for for like the, the whole series up until this point, and I'm not sure that like until series the whole uh, marathon up, up until this point and when it comes to decolonization like it's one thing to talk about it the other thing obviously is to do something about it 
you know, like, like um, you have a T-shirt that says "Act Sovereign," uh, and, and you wear it quite often. Love, love you for it. Um, so I want you to pick your brain. Like, like obviously, when we talk about the singular question, you'll you'll go into that. Um, so let's let, let's start off. Where uh, where is Ninja's knowledge going right now? What do you see? Uh, what are you experiencing? I think um, again, Mahalo. Uh, Ghazali for putting this on and holy laha now. Um, I think that Mahalo. indigenous knowledge is something that is going towards and moving more towards independence and getting back to what our kupuna or our ancestors used to do because, um, you know, as we found out during COVID, it's really every man for themselves. You know, in the United mm. States, they totally left nations just you know, decimated, you know, they, they, there was no assistance anywhere. Uh, people had to figure out how to grow food again. That's why I, I came into my yard because I think, you know, I, I usually do this inside my house in front of, you know, I have a backdrop, but I was like, you know what? I have to come into my yard because I have to show people that sovereignty can happen at home. You know, I'm growing Kahlo here for the first time in my whole life. I'm growing mm. Kahlo. I'm raising my own food now. And so this act of, sovereignty and and exercising your independence has to start at home and and you know it's not something that we need to go to school for we need to just look into our history as a people we need to look into our culture because the one thing that francis boyle international attorney that that um has represented us for a long time tw over 20 something years he was also the um um helper of uh having the palestinian people get their own country but he told my uncle a long time ago that, you know, Bumpy, what you guys have, which they cannot take away from you is you guys are still on your land and you are still here. And so mm. because we are here in, 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 in the place that we used to thrive, we can thrive again. We don't need Western systems. We need to look into the past and figure out how did the Hawaiian people support over a million people? in Hawaii at its peak, without any homelessness, without any drug issues, without any uh, starvation. You never heard of Hawaiians getting wiped out by hurricanes because we knew nature, we knew our surroundings. And so for indigenous knowledge, it's key for survival, not just for mm. Hawaiians, but for all indigenous peoples. And, and because most of the world has been colonized and most of the world has moved into this, you know, technology and westernization they've forgotten who they are as indigenous peoples as well and so they're dependent mm -hmm. on a system that is really fragile and covid is um shown that yeah brandon for, for indigenous peoples um that feel that they've forgotten the ways of their elders for of their ancestors um any and this is obviously very contextual uh, any ideas or experiences maybe um, that you can share of yeah trying to find that path back you know of of um, learning how their ancestors lived pre-contact pre-colonization right well you know for Hawaiians it, it's kind of um, there were stages right that that there were revitalizations first in in the you know the early seventies Hokulea helped us revitalize our culture again. 
moving towards the 80s and the 90s when my uncle Bumpy was, was you know, in the forefront of the sovereignty movement. We learned about our political history. So it's just digging back into your past. And, um, mm. you know, and, and for, for Hawaiians, it's a, it's a little easier. But, you know, what for other indigenous peoples, before, you know, I always tell this to Hawaiians that, that you know, they want to jump straight into sovereignty and just go head first into, you know, this is the fake state and start challenging and everything. You know, the what my uncle has taught me is that if we don't know who we are, then why are we going to go claim this land? Or why are we going to go stop this project? And, you know, what is the significance of this? Mm -hmm. Is this of significance to us in the future? How did our ancestors utilize these lands in a better way? You know, because mm -hmm. if we don't know that, then when it's time for us to take over, and we don't know how to do it before. We're going to do it exactly how our colonizers did it. And we're mm -hmm. going to ruin it. You know, and right. so it, it, there is no independence without us understanding who we are first. So I would suggest to indigenous peoples, you guys have to look from within. Don't look at all these other things. Don't look at the, the political things. Don't look at all these other stuff. Look within your own ohana first. Mm -hmm. Find out what, what, you know, what kind of connections that your ohana and traditions that your ohana kept going through the years and learn those things first. It's right around you. Yeah. It, it's it's such an easy, no, no, it's a simple concept, but it's like, it uh, as, as in like going back, that's what you talk about, right? Going back to the future. You know, it, it's a simple concept, but it's people overthink it. it, it, it no, sorry. It, that, 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 that's uh, that's um, assumption. Do you think that people are overthinking it? Or how do you, why is it, it that why are not people doing it i think i think exactly it what, what you just said right there people are overthinking it mm. people think that sovereignty and independence well it, i i'm just speaking from hawaii's perspective they think it's an international thing they think it's about laws and politics and as you know uh, you know when you go to the united nations it, it's it's just a forum it's just a meeting place it's there is you have more significance on our land than we have over there. Over there is for something else. Not that that's not important, but what you do here is is incredibly important. And that's mm -hmm. why, you know, stuff like social media, um, that's why we do shows, we do movies and all that, just to get ourselves out there to show our people that, you know, this is just Hawaiians that found themselves. You know, I'm speaking about my uncle and the nation of Hawaii that found themselves and just pushed forward, you mm. know, and, and it, it took a lot for them to do that back then. But now today with technology, with social media, with our allies that we've created, you know, before my uncle was doing this all by himself with his ohana and just the Hawaiians here on island. Now mm. we have connections all over the world that we can leverage. You know, we have relationships we can leverage, but until we know who we are, you know, it's, it's never gonna, it's never gonna amount to anything. So yeah. People are getting way too down the line with, with speaking about the political side of mm. things. It's, independence is not just about political independence. You have to have food sovereignty too. You have to have economic sovereignty. You have to you have to understand how countries work. So be, before that, you got to clean your own house. Mm. You know, we have big aspirations for ourselves because what America took from us was a huge thing. They took away our nation. We, yeah. if, if they was to hand over everything back to us today, I don't know if we're ready to take on that mm -hmm. responsibility. But for us, what we've been doing 
since we've learned that history and since we understand that, instead of keep digging into that and keep finding more injustices and more things that they've done during the overthrow, we focus strictly on the future. Okay, mm. what if everything shut down today? How will we get our own internet? How will we create our own economy? How will we create all these things? And because we have a land base, because we have Pu'ohono, Waimanalo, that's the template for us. You know, we're not just talking about it. Too much, too much professors out there, they talk about sovereignty, they talk about independence. You have to put it to action and we have to test pilot these things, especially now, today. Everybody's getting a crash course in independence today because of COVID, because of the situation. So I'm excited. You know, me, I'm always fired up to talk to you about this kind of stuff because mm-hmm. I, I know that, you know, these these things, these um, these goals that we have, these aspirations that we have for our people can be achieved. And, and you know, it's only a matter of time. And um, yeah. but we'd like to share that knowledge, like how you're sharing that knowledge with everybody out there. We want to be a part of that too. We want to share what we've learned and, and, you know, when we go to the United Nations, that, that's been our model the whole time. Yeah, we like go there and talk about the atrocities and all that. But we also like talk about, you know, these practices that I think that can be applicable to all kinds of, you know, different peoples. Is it, is it Brandon, you touch a very important point. Um, when Indian peoples go to the United Nations, um, Nation of Hawaii is one of the very few organizations, if not like, it's like a handful um, that talk about solutions. Um, uh, um, how can Indigenous peoples, when it comes to Indigenous knowledge, obviously, but like and when it comes to acting sovereignty, decolonization, decolonizing mindset, um, like how do you, how do, how can they talk more about solutions? I, th- I think it's, it's like how you said, you know, it's the action part, it's the implementation part. It's, um, I think a lot of times indigenous peoples, we're always reactionary because there, there's always a crisis going on somewhere. And that's the only time we come out in this mass, right? And, and Hawaiians is, is guilty of that as well. You know, Mauna Kea mm-hmm. and all that, you know, we come out for those kinds of things. But, you know, when, when, when Mauna Kea, when TMT is not there, everybody went back home. And so it's, it's not happening every day. You mm. know, we need to find ways to to take action every day, you know, and it doesn't need to be a protest, you know, necessarily. Mm -hmm. It can be just diverting your economy where you spend your money from Walmart or Costco, and now you spend it with a Hawaiian farmer. Or instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, taking these classes with, with the University of Hawaii, you go to this Hawaiian elder and you take classes from her. We have to start paying back into our own communities. And, and the only way we're going to see independence happen is if we do things like this. And, and that's why, you know, we talk so um, simple about things because it really is simple. And, and, you know, the next time I go back to the UNPFII, you know, we're going to do the same thing again, share our solutions because we keep doing the same thing because we want to inspire other nations to bring solutions to the table too, because I want to go there and take something back with me. Right. The first time I went there, I was like, Oh, psyched. And like, oh, okay, we're going to get the UN for help us and all that. And we left, like, I left depressed because I, mm. I, all I heard was everybody's problems and everybody's issues. And I was like, wow, that is like deep, but I, I want to know how you got here. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we've, We've gone through all this crisis and, and survived all these things. But you here, you in New York, yeah. I, I'm looking at you. How did you get here? 
How do you get electricity? Where do you live? How do you guys build your houses? I want to know all those things. And so I we, we do that and we go to the United Nations with that kind of mindset because we want to pull that out of our peoples and we want them to share solutions because I would love to take some of these solutions home to our people and show them. There are different examples out there. It's not just us, Nation of Hawaii over here doing it. You get people all over the world doing these independent things. Mm. Uh, Brandon, um, I was, uh, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time. But thank you, Mahalo Nui, for, for, for be, being with us, um, for, for, sharing, for sharing your thoughts, ideas, um, and mindset, actually. That, that, I think that that's more importantly, your mindset. Um, let, let, let's, let's do this. I, 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 let's, let's, it's probably in the new year. Let's do a long-form conversation. You know, like, yeah, let me really oh. pick, 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 your, pick your brain. Like, we could do it like, easy, three, three to four hours. Um, to talk about like do, do like a Joe Rogan style, you know, like like yeah, do, yeah, do that no, kind of conversation. Let me, let me know. Thank yeah, you yeah, because because I, I think only only then like it did this whole yeah uh, we we can really um uh, get to the not to the bottom of it, but like really unpack everything. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Brandon, um, give my aloha to um to everyone at uh, the Puhonua the, Waimanalo, um, your wife obviously. Uh, wife yeah wife yeah um and, and uncle bumpy as well uh give my aloha to them and mahalo for nui for for, for being with us appreciate you so much mahalo, mahalo. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> mahalo Ooh, yeah this is the way of celebrating your birthday or oh, holding your birthday um monica um monica um half a day how are you doing you're all right yeah oh, Half a day. How are you? Oh, you look. I'm look, in the sun. Uh, I'm good. Man. I'm so happy to join you. So happy to be in this collective of indigenous power, celebrating you as a uniter of indigenous people, as a longtime um, advocate and indigenous rights activist. I'm so just so grateful and honored to be a part of this um, forum. Uh, thank you, Monica. J just, just one caution. Um, don't um, try to, uh, yeah, because like I, I can easily, um, um, yeah, get very cocky, you know, like when when people <laughs> throw all the all these these words at me. So like, um, um, I have to always have to like watch myself, like stay humble. Um, it has, it has brought me into <laughs> into some very very um, um problematic. Uh, situations um but thank you thank you so much 100 thank you so much uh, for, um, for saying that and 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 being with us sorry I'm so i'm so it was such a um such a beautiful thing to follow up with brandon's conversation being from mm. the chamorro homelands in guam and in the northern marianas we have a very direct connection to the kanaka maoli in hawaii who are also fighting um, for sovereignty against the U.S. imperial, um, their imperial machine, and especially in the face of militarization, we share a lot of common struggles. And hearing from him and all the beautiful things that the Hawaiian nation is doing definitely empowers me and uplifts the the my hopes for um, a demilitarized and uh, a decolonized Pacific, especially those uh, who are affiliated with the United States. Um, um, I, to the people that do not know, I think I think thank you so much for for, for highlighting that. Um, for the people that do not know, uh, like the current state of militarization in Guam and um, uh, 
yeah, in in that region, because uh, I, I think a that's little update uh, and overview. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. So um, Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands have been uh, U.S. territories. Guam has been a U.S. territory since 1898, and then the Commonwealth of the Northern Marianas was a trust territory after uh, World War II. Um, and we have been, we are one archipelago and one people, but we have been politically separated since 1898 when Guam became a um, United States territory after the U.S.-Spanish War. At the same time, the Philippines did and Cuba and Puerto Rico. Um, and we and the Chamo people have actually were the first people in the Pacific to, to have contact with Europeans. Next year, 2021, is the 500th anniversary of the quote-unquote discovery from Magellan. Um, when he and he was also attributed to the first circumnavigation of the, the globe, and that's that's also the commemoration year for that. Um, so we were the first peoples to be uh, victims, I guess, of the colonial enterprise. And we and Wuhan most most specifically have not had sovereignty since then. Um, and in the American uh, campaign here, has always been militarized, military centric. We have three bases right now. We have an, we host an air force base and we host a navy base, both and and they just activated the new marine base um, in northern Guam. So about thirty percent of our lands are used for the war enterprise, for these training bases, for these housing bases, and now the military is also wanting to expand to create a firing range on one of our most sacred sites of Tailalu over um, over the area of what's known as Retidian, which is a wildlife refuge. And those, mm -hmm. those sites are also really important to us as a people because they sit over our northern lens aquifer, which supplies about um, of millions of gallons of water every single day to about 88% of the population here. And we really worry about the contamination from the lead poisoning of the, of the weapons training that will happen of, um, at these live firing fire ranges. And we also um, are just devastated at the impacts of the, of these, these construction of these ranges because they destroyed some of the last pristine limestone forests for our islands. We also have one tree. It's the only mature mother tree of that kind that's going to be about only 100 feet or 100 meters away from one of the largest machine gun um, machine gun ranges. And it's just devastating to see that that last tree might not survive because of all of the destruction around it. Mm. And... Uh, just just recently, we have been uh, drive, doing common drives to so that fishermen, they're going to be shutting the waters around those ranges when those ranges are, are in action. And it's just going to cut off more resources to our people because outside of all those those 30, the 30 percent of our island, which is already cut off from local people, unless you have proper um, proper identification or pa or passes, you can't go there to access things for traditional for our traditional livelihoods like medicines like uh, woods for carvings like the fish to feed ourselves or and on all those lands used to be pristine farmlands so we have uh, experienced a lot of violence up upon our lands from war and we also experience a lot of um, sick 
weakness in our bodies because of the, the, the violence and the trauma that our, our lands have, have um, experienced. And also the psychological and community, uh, the community impacts from all of that as well is something that we're still healing from and wanting and learning to heal from. And indigenous knowledge and uplifting our traditional knowledge is the way forward in healing ourselves. No, uh, thank you so much for explaining that that everything. Because, um, like, if you talk to, for example, with all due respect for, to Brendan, everyone knows the situation of of Hawaii. You know, everyone knows the, the militarization of Hawaii, but not many people know the the situation of militarization in 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 Guahan and 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 the, the Northern Mariana. So, thank you so much for 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 exp outlining that, explaining that. Um, and because also when you talk about sovereignty and you you alluded towards it, towards it to the end, um, asserting indigenous indigenous sovereignty, um, how important do you think that indigenous knowledge is? You already talked about it a little bit. Can you unpack that a little bit? The importance of indigenous knowledge in terms of sovereignty. So I think I've been asking that question to to a to a to a, to a, a frozen screen maybe, um, uh, and now she's out of the whole thing. Oh, okay. Um, so I'll have to do a like, like quick monologue again. Um, I I I I don't know where I. Yeah. So like the thing is with with um with Hawaii, like Brandon talked about at length, and not at length, but like he can. Explain the situation of uh, of um, militarization in in Hawaii and colonization, and there's so many indigenous peoples in the Pacific um, that are still suffering or having to deal with um, colonization and militarization. We talk about Guahan, you talk about Tahiti, you talk about Rapa Nui, you talk about uh, West Papua, you talk about Maluku, you talk like. There's so many uh, indigenous nations in the Pacific uh, that are still having to deal with, um, um, yeah, colonization and, and militarization. Um, and I think that it, this this conversation um, is also an, an, an opportunity to talk about that. Uh, so that's why I wanted uh, Monyeka to 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 talk about that a little bit more about the situation of of Guahan because. Yeah, I, I know that a little bit, but I don't know a lot like at length and depth uh, about it. And I'm, I'm, I'm I know at, I can scratch the surface when it comes to to Tahiti, Tahiti Nui, um, Rapa Nui, and 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 Kanaki and all the, all the indigenous nations around the Pacific. Um, but it's it's so very important that we expose if if 2020 is a year of ex exposing things then it should also be of uh, of putting it out there like the the many political struggles of indigenous peoples in the pacific um it, um it, on their own terms not having to go through cnn al jazeera or um bbc or uh pff, i don't know uh, any any kind of uh, uh, news outlet but like at, at your own terms brandon alluded to it talked about it. social making use of social media and there's no no need for the middleman anymore whilst we getting back to uh Monica, well uh once again um luckily otherwise i i, I already saw um Zvetka like partially rolling her eyes like all right there's this monologue again um 
but so so thank you so much for 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 getting back um uh, f- uh, in, into the into the conversation um yeah so the question was um in terms of and and by the way just just uh, uh um a quick re- a gentle reminder that our producer Zvetka has a question for you as well um so whole new concept um uh, bringing Zvetka, Zvetka in, in, in a bit um so yeah please continue with what you were talking about in terms of uh sovereignty and indigenous knowledge and you're on mute at this point indigenous yeah. knowledge is key i feel and i feel like this is a net sentiment that was uh that I'm going to be echoing from a lot of your guests on how indigenous knowledge is key in the way that we move forward. And, you know, there's a reason why a vast majority of the world's biodiversity is under the stewardship of indigenous people, because we've been in our lands for so long. We have intimate connections to our lands and we know how to be sustainable and be and have long lasting good relationships with our animal relatives and with the waters and the waterways and um, sovereignty will only thrive if we uh, create systems that uplift and acknowledge indigenous traditions and indigenous wisdom. And it's really important. I definitely echo the sentiments of what Brandon was saying earlier about how it's really important how we know where our food is is coming from and how we uh, activate ourselves more to be growing our own foods more and growing in ways that are more in line with what our ancestors were doing. Um, and following the moon cycles and following different um, uh, protocols and rituals around that uh, that support that. And it's such a beautiful thing when we do do that. And I hope to be doing that more personally over the next year. Um, I, I created a cookbook that really highlights the, the, the ingredients of our islands. We have, um, we nice. on, on the islands here, uh, import 90% of our food and that's just very dangerous when we think about climate change and when we think about um, future pandemics and when, and when we think about war as well like all these things that can cut off our food supply will really leave us in a vulnerable state in a ways in a way that we won't be able to, to um, nourish our people and it will be in a, in a really will be in a big pinch if we have to figure that out without making the moves months and years ahead of time to being more sovereign, at least in the, in in within our food um, supply. No, um, um, in ter- in terms of, um, you talk about you make a distinction between uh, Indian people surviving and thriving. What is that 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 element that 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 goes from takes you over from from surviving to thriving? So I I feel like. Um, when we move beyond just the academic discourse of talking and like being in the headspace about indigenous knowledge and actually living it, and we are creating systems where our children from birth to death are involved in indigenous knowledge systems, like that's when it's thriving, when our languages are no longer threatened, when we are on a day-to-day basis doing things that our ancestors would be proud of and not really using our life energy anymore to um, fulfill the capitalistic um, norms and, and the dreams and, of, and riches of some other place and of some other people, um, that's when we're thriving, when we are really taking care of our resources. Here on the island of Guam, we have so many invasive species. We'll be thriving when we can bring our birds back. We, we are we're known for having an, the ecological disaster of bringing in a brown tree snake with military because of militarization um, and that that snake decimated all of our birds. I, I see us 
returning our lands to a state where we can have birds as something that's a, a, a marker for thriving for us here. No, uh, thank you. So, thank you so much for 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 um, for, for for explaining that, um, Svetka. Please come in. Like this is this is this is first thing, first time that she actually uh, would like to ask questions. So like I'll really much really like to let her do that. Oh wow! Svetka is our producer. Svetka Hi. is our producer, so of the team. So um, go ahead, Svetka. Um, you're on mute at this point. Go ahead. Have a drinking game of all the times you've had to say that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be drunk by now. <laughs> yes, for sure. Three hours and twenty minutes by now, but um, still very interesting to listen to all this. And when you were speaking, you gave me so many things to think about and so many questions because um, basically your islands, uh, your culture, your society is let's say let's say directly subjugated by the united states and um you're not the only one of course but um unfortunately not a lot of people know about this situation i myself am from europe and i know that this is not really something that is common knowledge but anyways there are other um societies that are still fighting for their freedom uh, I don't know if you've heard, today on Human Rights Day, the United States decided to recognize Moroccan occupation of Western Sahara, which is also a huge blow to, to that region, um, in exchange for them recognizing the Israeli occupation of Palestine. So it seems like this international law and human rights are more and more becoming a trade-off for politicians, for their own personal interests and all this. We, we, we could for sure talk about this for hours, but just a very quick question because we have a next person on the line already. I was going to ask, like, what are your strategies to, to talk about this and to demand your rights and your sovereignty with the American government concretely, like what, what are you doing about it? So, so um, the Chamorro people have been appealing to um, the Fourth Commission of the UN decolonization for years now, where one of the um, Guam is one of the one of the last remaining non-self-governing territories, and we've used that avenue for so long. But one of my personal strategies is, as an educator and as an activist is really just to um, build the community conscious around the issue because of colonization. These are we're not learning about our own history. We're not. Um, really understanding the full breadth of what colonization has done to us and many other people and we're not connecting to a lot of um, indigenous peoples in ways that are meaningful. So one of the strategies that we've been employing is just really creating spaces where indigenous rights and indigenous rituals are safe and are practiced and um, wanting to learn and connect more to the indigenous people in our region and within Micronesia is really important too and uplift our relationships there because as colonized people we've inflicted we've internalized the harm that we that have come to us and we've inflicted it upon our other island brethren and healing those relationships and even just uh, and starting from there is really important as a strategy is really building our community locally and trickling out to the to our region is is where I feel I would be most effective and would be most effective for us in, in this short time. Um, and then in long term, 
still continue to, to build international pressure through the United Nations forums. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I was just thinking about what you were saying before, Ghazali, that, um, and you mentioned it as well, the list of non-cell-governing territories, there's still 17, uh, 17 uh, countries or or territories on it and it would be great if after 2020 we could work towards uh, clearing out that list it would be a good fresh new start if we were like 50 years or 60 years after the beginning of decolonization process be finally done with this issue so let's hope that um, there are some there's some progress on that front Definitely, I would love to talk to you more about this later. Unfortunately, we need to move on to our next guest, but um, I'm very interested in into this topic to, to discuss. Thank you more. so much for having me on. I look forward to learning more about all your your upcoming guests and ways that we can connect and deepen our and our connections. Yes. So, Smasi, happy birthday! Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for for being on the show. Um, um, although, yeah, it, it, it is such a, such a, an amazing, um, experience already. Um, uncle John is, is up next. Um, um, we're going from Guahan to, to back to, um, uh, Australia. Um, thank you so much for, 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 for joining us in, in, in this conversation. Um, you're a, uh, as a biocultural strategist, um, how did you think about that question where of how where is indigenous knowledge going right now how did you decipher that question um i i deciphered it in terms of i suppose things that i'm doing at the moment it's it's really accelerating here in australia so sort of the two points of where it's at for me is i sit on um the scientific advisory committee for the wet tropics world heritage area so mm -hmm. we provide advice advice to the board about um research you know where to where to head in terms of protecting those values and presenting those values in the world heritage area mm -hmm. um, and also i've uh, still in minister enoch queensland government and we've just done landmark reforms to the biodiscovery act in terms of indigenous access and benefit sharing so that's sort of two places where it's really heading really well for us and being able to participate in those in, in, in general, when it comes to um, indigenous knowledge, um, are you, um, in, a, in a broader Pacific context, um, are you, in your experience, what you're seeing, are you concerned or are you optimistic or is it something somewhere, somewhere in between? Um, I think it's somewhere in between. I think it's just listening to, you know, it's really about our people's input into these things um, but then even more so about creating change mm -hmm. uh, and you see some of you know on on my dad's side i'm aboriginal but my mum's side i'm vanuatu um, but you know looking at at what people are talking about happening in those lands it's the same issues um, but they i suppose it's struggling against um, the bureaucracy and the political scape about trying to get these things moving much more quickly. So mm -hmm. that seems to be a similarity. But but people are focused, you know, they're seeing those impacts on on their home country. Um, their resources that they access either for food, fiber, medicine, you know, so um, 
Yeah. Yep. Any any reflections on relevance of indigenous knowledge in um, in the world we live in today? Uh, um, Mina talked about COVID nineteen. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Um, what comes to mind in terms of relevance? Uh, relevance, I look knowing what's happening within the the world heritage wet tropics at the moment. Um, the, the scientific modelling was saying that changes were happening in in ten years' time, but they're happening right now. You know, so you know the movement of species to elevation southward, deeper into the ocean. That's that's got a real interruption to 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 our cultural diversity. It means we're going to have to hand over knowledge to maybe groups, you know, 200 kilometres down the coast. So mm-hmm. there's a real, you know, that, that whole change actually is going to occur through, and I work in that bio, biocultural diversity interface, so it's really about the biological, linguistic and the cultural interrelatedness to our landscapes are going to change dramatically. And we've got to make some mm-hmm. really solid decisions about how we hand knowledge on and how it's moved to the next group, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But that's going to be dictated by, you know, with plants, the right soil type, you know, or the right temperature for things. So, you know, our groups up in the rainforest that are in the highlands, you know, if temperatures come in like they are shifting now, it means they no longer will have cloud forests because the clouds won't clip the top of the forests. And mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um. Something that was quite remarkable um, that uh, that you were involved in, and maybe um, I think can be very inspiring to other Indigenous peoples in the Pacific, was that landmark reform that you talked about in terms of biodiversity, biodiversity legislation in the Queensland government of Australia. Um, um, I'm sure that there, there there's um, you cannot ex- explain everything in in like in like in ten minutes. But is there a, like a two-minute version of it that you that you can you can explain it to the people that are watching? Yeah, look, it's the biodiscovery is really about that access of benefit sharing. You know, to get mm-hmm. to get access to that knowledge, it you know you you have to have a, a traditional knowledge obligation un, under under the act, and that was a real drive. So we, as the traditional knowledge roundtable, were meeting also with the research entities from university and government, and so on. And having these conversations about how we protect this, how we make it function. So yeah, so really it's about gaining access and and so having protocols. So the last part of what the work we're doing now is developing a code and guidelines for that, so that research entities will know what to do. Mm-hmm. And if they step outside that or don't do that, there, there are ramifications financially and legally. Um, but yeah, look. So and then the benefit sharing, obviously is a whole range of things. So benefit sharing for us is not just monetary wise because, you know, it takes so long to some of these, these biopharmaceuticals to come out, for example, green chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be as simple as when researchers go out, someone needs a ride out into country, you know. So right through that sort of spectrum of what benefit mm-hmm. sharing might be for people. So, yeah, yeah. But, and also, you know, I've got a really good friend of mine in the Cape that has global patents through a partnership that he has with one of the universities. You know, rent and oil they've mm-hmm. made from uh, from a paper bag. Um, so something that I've um, uh, just a, a different question, like um, kind of left field kind of question. 
Um, in terms of when, when anybody goes to strategies, anything in terms of that that delta, the triangle um, in your work, um, climate change, indigenous knowledge, as well as oceans and waters. Um, in my, in my in what I'm what I'm experiencing um, is that there's uh, not enough um, in terms of advocacy, at least uh, like uh, um, like knowledge. Uh, advocacy, advocacy of indigenous knowledge being pushed as as a form of um, as a terms of reference next to scientific knowledge um, um, to 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 maintain biodiversity to to um, safeguard the biodiversity. Um, any 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 thoughts on, on that matter that um, um, from your own experience, from your own uh, um, yeah ex expertise? Yeah, look, I, I'm. I'm more and more driving towards um, not saying that Indigenous knowledge is not important. I'm saying mm. it's important, but there's also another level, and that other level is Indigenous science, you know, and mm. and this came to the fore back in 1999 when I was doing a, a documentary for French television, um, and we were filming an old lady, and I just, in my head, it just, you know, the light bulb moment, should, they had to choose what bark to use. They had to choose what type of carrier oil, whether, you know, what biological fat, whether it was plant or animal, or was it going to be mineral? And so this whole scientific process just jumped into my mind. It's not a, yes, it's about knowledge, but it's actually about a science process. The way that mm. we look at the natural laws around us, a problem in front of us, and we have these theories, and we've gone on to really test those theories, formulating and in the end, we've got the medicines that best suit us or, you know, so, and that's changed. And I've, I've been really pushing that through the biodiscovery. I've been really pushing it right now. I'm, I've just finished this week two meetings with um, the Indigenous reference groups that's been developed by CSIRO here in Australia. And um, we're looking at climate change from Indigenous perspectives, you know, so, and I'm, I'm constantly pushing the science now because that's, to me, that's what it is. It's there's knowledge that happens at a customary level, and then there's knowledge that happens at a community level. Um, but the customary level is the science level. It's the people with deep understanding about that and the testing of those theories. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, thank thank you so much for, for explaining that because that that's like a to many Indigenous peoples, not only in Pacific, uh, a a like a like a blind spot, something that is not enough talked about Indigenous sciences. Um, at least from my own experiences um, dealing with these peoples globally throughout the United Nations, um, we talk about indigenous knowledge. We're not in, in that conversation or, or, or argument, actually, traditional knowledge versus indigenous knowledge. And, and they're not even, it's not even a conversation about indigenous science as much as it should be at, at, at this point. Any um, any uh, I guess final questions? Any, my, final questions. My final question. Um, any anything that I did not ask you, but you're like, oh, Ghazali, I can't believe you did not ask me about this. Um, I really want to talk about it. Uh, talk about it. Um, it happens. It happens. I apologize. <laughs> it happens. Um, no, yeah. look, no, 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 Ghazali. No, I think it's. I think it's just. I'll, I'll leave you with two things that I'm really. Hmm really passionate about um, and these come out of of our own old knowledge systems and Yumbu Yumbu is 
language word for my rainforest country. So I'm Mullumbara Yidinji. Mullumbara is a clan group, Flatstone country. Yidinji mm -hmm. is a tribal group. And Yumbu actually is a spatial art form. It's a series of dots and lines and spatially how we map out things. And I've used that now to jump into that type of mapping in landscape. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one that I'm really passionate about and something I want to do as a project quite soon is, uh, is Google. And Google is purposeful voice. Everything in our culture has a purposeful voice. And so, for example, if someone puts a road in and there's a bridge and, you know, you hear that noise by cars running over grids, that can disrupt sound signatures. So if there's a frog habitat, you can knock that habitat out for about 45 minutes and animals can come in and pinpoint individual frogs so the sound signature is disrupted. So there's all these things in culture that our people will get into and I think mm -hmm. we've got actually a really good chance to be some of the preeminent scientists in the world because we've got this innate connection to, to country, to our animals and our plants and our landscapes, and we have a science background. And that's going to be quite interesting to see what sort of emerges over time. Uh, Uncle John, thank you so much for, for sharing that. I, I was, I, for a brief moment, I thought you were going to talk about your passion for coaching junior rugby union. I, I think like, <laughs> I was, I was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's like all right, or now we're going to now we're going to rugby union, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, a, um, it's a science too. You've got to really understand that game to really think about where plays will end and what your next move will be. So yes, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. Three games playing, so. <laughs> Uh, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll talk. Uh, hopefully, um, at, at, so, at some point, uh, obviously, 10 minutes is not enough. We, we can talk about more in length about that, uh, rugby union, um, and, and obviously, uh, you, your passion in, in terms of the biocultural um, atmosphere, the um, work that you do. Appreciate you so much yeah. for, for being show, your work, and, and everything else. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank, Bye. thank, you, so much. thank you so much. Oof, we're coming near to the end, and oh my god, like this lady, I've missed so much. <laughs> Where have you been I all have... my life? Oh man, Lisa, I know, like I, I saw, I saw you pop up, and like that's not Lisa. Like Lisa usually <laughs> has short hair, and um, you know, and like that's not Lisa. So I was. I was like this close to, to telling Svetka, like, all right, somebody hijacked Lisa's email cut or whatever, cut, cut her out, cut her out, you know, like <laughs> get it, get it, get out of here, give it a hiding, whatever. Uh, but man, it's it's full context, people. Um, sorry, but this is like a monumental moment for me um, because I've been, yeah, working with Lisa. Like, uh, what was it? Comp 22 uh, in Marrakesh. 2015, I think. 2015. Yeah, uh, um, yeah we, we caught up at some point in White Tangy as well uh, in, mm -hmm. in, in, in Aotearoa. Um, such a beautiful mind person. And I say this with um, as much love as I can give you, Lisa. Um, sorry, people were like, holy shit, what is this, what is this guy up to right now? Um, uh, what up? Uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever, get out of here, man. Like, um, but like, yeah, it is, this is, um, 
yeah this, in terms of yeah this is also like a personal thing as well like like the people that are on on the show like you need to have some kind of a connection with them uh, or interest and and with, with, yeah with, um yeah lisa thank you so much for getting on the show uh, if it's only for 10 minutes uh but hopefully we'll see in touch at some uh, it's um i think we always stay in touch we're pretty yeah. good like that we're, 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 um, we're good at i'm that. so yeah. proud of you brother this is very cool and love to see you in your space and love to see you doing your work um it's it's awesome to be part of it so thank you for inviting me oh uh, lisa thank you so much no, no no thank you so much for for um it was scary to organize this you know like you, you yeah. never know like who, who shows up you know like you never know if people that you were hoping to to participate they they don't participate or they don't say anything at all or you know so like but that's why like it, it's uh, thank you so much for for being with us oh man i, I like it's kind of sucks. Like I had to now go through the whole motion of like asking questions. But like now, like I want to like reminisce a little bit. Catch up. Um, <laughs> catch up. Like, all right, but people obviously signed up. Like and people that there are people watching now. If you have watched this from the get go, I'm now four hours later. Drop me a drop me a line, text, comment, whatever. I have to reward you for 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 that as some way somehow. I I don't know. Uh, I still have some pineapple left, but I can't give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um lisa uh you're doing amazing things right now amazing things um yeah so personally and maybe pro uh, professionally how did you look at when i sent you the question where is india's knowledge going right now um yeah so how, how did you look at that question i think for me it, it raised a whole lot of things so um privileged to be in a, in a few of the positions um, that I have in Aotearoa working for our Indigenous people, for um, our tribal authorities and our tribal entities. And I think the, the things that came to mind for me were protection. So how do we protect those rights and interests that um, our ancestors have fought for, for the, for the millennia before us? Um, so mm. how do we manage that and look after that? Um, but how do we also bring through the threads of Indigenous knowledge? And for us, um, I look at it from a contemporary context. So I work in policy and I'm framing policy all of the time. And I have this nattering in my ear from my grandfather who's passed many years ago saying, remember your values, remember who you are, mm. remember where you come from. And I think... Um, as a young woman coming through my work was how do you balance that? And so Indigenous knowledge for me is something that I've never left behind, but struggling to thread it through into how do I use it every day? Um, and how do I not lose the essence of what it meant to my people um, mm. on that journey? And it's challenging. Um, and I think it's challenging for all Indigenous people. Um, and Ghazali, you've been in these frames where we've been in the UN, in the New Zealand context, um, working with the Crown and trying to find these compromises, but trying so hard not to lose who we are in the process. Um, and I think that's the challenge for us. It has been a challenge for a long time, but I think um, particularly in my role as chairperson of Tuai Māori Trust, we're dealing with freshwater issues um, around advancing the protection of our freshwater um, fish species. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we balance that? And how do we get it right? So those were kind of the things. So my, I feel like my head became like a big speech bubble with lots mm. of question marks and arrows and exclamation marks, 
not aimed at our people, but aimed at others, <laughs> um, about how we kind of bring that all together. So um, my messy mind is telling me that we're on the right track. And I think mm. just listening to Uncle John um, coming in a little bit early and listening to that too, um, it gave me real hope that we have mm. these similar threads and these similar veins of thought coming through. So um, hence connection is really important and uh, being connected with each other and talking about these things more often and finding um, really positive solutions. But, yeah, probably more questions. <laughs> well, well it, that's always like if the, the more you talk, the more questions that, that surface, the more mm. things that you – like the more thing you know, the more thing you don't know, right? I don't know who said that, yeah. but, like, it's it's probably, like, a, a good thing because um, I didn't come up with it. Um in terms of connect, I think it goes also to like the probably like the idea of this whole marathon is to connect, um, yeah, connect um, in stories, peoples. Um, how is that uh, in in Aotearoa context? Um, is, is that connection as happening as well? Um, which I'm interested in um, yep. about. Yeah, sorry. I think um, when you think about uh, the transfer of knowledge and those knowledge systems, so yeah. our culture has been, um, it, it's been oratory. So it has been through sitting in the marae. You've been to one of our marae, Ghazali, mm, and yep. sitting with our um, our older people and hearing their stories and sitting in context around how the knowledge informs the way that you do things every day. So, um when you talk about uh, knowledge when it comes to uh, why we plant and when we plant, um, we followed phases of the moon. Um, and so there are all of those different knowledge systems that get passed through. I think what's the disconnect is how do we bring um, that, that very relational and connective feeling that we have in a family and in a marae, which is our kind of kind of tribal local area and how do we bring it into these spaces where the crown is saying Māori you can't do that anymore you mm. don't own that and you have no rights there so it's how do we start to configure these stories leave them in essence and the spirituality that they were given to us and represent them in this new way that protects why we belong in this space and why mm. I can go to the beach and why my kaumātua can always go and fish where they fish, because those stories give them essence. It gives yeah. them the right to be there. So it's linking that rights and protection conversation with the oratory story that our people know and breathe. So I mm. think there's, I still think there's threads there to be um, pulled together. I think sometimes people look at it and go, oh, that's old stuff. Actually, that's who you are. So... Mm. Um, yeah. Need to remember that. And in terms of, so is is that like the current um, state of play, state of the union? No, no, it's not a union. State of play in Aotearoa right now. Um, is there anything that makes you go, hmm, that's looking uh, promising or mm, that is kind of uh, problematic? Yeah, and I, um, I'm not too sure what um, other um, speakers have talked about from um, Aotearoa, but I think um, from my perspective, um, it's disappointing that Aotearoa still doesn't recognise 
the, the De Declaration Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Um, mm. We struggle to get that through. Um, however, we have a treaty which recognises in principle how we should um, uh, be in partnership with the Crown. Um, the Crown failed to do that over and over again. So in, in other places you would call that the state. Um, but I think uh, the things that I see that are really positive is um, when I go home and I see um, our children speaking our language, um, mm. I see um, our old rituals and the way that we do things being revived. And, but I, and I think without those pieces of what forms your identity, that's the loss that you feel. And we've seen that in other Indigenous cultures where they're in 0.2% of losing the very essence of who you are. And I think as Māori, we've, been, we've really captured that and we've revived mm -hmm. that to a point where you can walk down the street and someone will say kia ora and they know what it means to you. Right. Um, I think when I think about the failure, the failure is how do you translate those good things that are happening into principled rights and behaviour and partnership with our oppressor. Mm -hmm. um, so it's quite, yeah, it's quite this. I think sometimes people look at Māori and they go, oh, they've got it all sorted. And we're sitting here going, ah, it's, mm. it's still not where we'd like it. Yeah. Um, so we've got a bit of work to do still, I think. What is, um, I, I always love your mindset, uh, and I'm sure that, well, we're running out of time as well, so um, might as well get to it. Um, you're chairperson to why Maori Trust at this point. Um, I'm always interested in, like, what is your special sauce? What is the special ingredient that you bring to th that a particular leadership role? Because uh, I know there's a, a lot of rangatahi, rangatahi, like, uh interested in taking up leadership roles looking up to people uh but always interested to stand on on the shoulders of giants of people that they look up to yep yep i think um my special source i love that what's my special source i feel like i'd be a little <laughs> bit of sweet chili with a, with a with a bit of barbecue but um mm. i think for me is um being really authentic so knowing who you are and what you represent and being truthful and honest in the way that you deal with people. So um, I think back to relationships that I formed 10, 12 years ago, and I still have those relationships. And I think a lot of that has to do with respect. And um, it is about people. I think often we can look at leaders and say, wow, they know everything. Um, but the really great ones actually recognize and respect the people that they work with. So as a chair, I don't, um, I mean, I have to run a meeting, but I make sure that my entire team is involved in any decision that we make, that I empower mm. them to be part of the conversation. And I think that's really, really important. Um, so I think that's my skill. Um, mm. is, it is about people. And I think if we can always thread that together and have that respect in mind, it's a really powerful tool. Lisa, I know you have to run, but is there anything that um, you want, so want to, that we didn't touch upon? Um, you're like, or yeah, that I forgot to ask you. Want people to think about, um, yeah, 
anything on along on, on the note? I think um, I think for me is mm. um, and I, I I say this a lot to people, um, but I I love people to be confident in their voice, um, be strong in who you are, um, because you are enough. And there are people out there who will challenge you and tell you that you can't do that and you can't do this and you can't be here. We've had those conversations before where we've had the door yeah. locked out, but you belong exactly where you are. So um, there's strength and positivity around being connected with like-minded people. And, um, yeah, that would be my my final my final statement. Oh, got it all. Thank you oh, so much. Thank you so much. Oh, I feel like I've got man. like two hours in me, but this is a warm-up. Well, this is a warm-up. <laughs> yes. Let's let's do like a I'll do it with Brandon as well with you. Hopefully, uh let's do it next year, do a like long form conversation. Yeah, yeah. Uh um because there's so much to um I want people to know the Lisa that I know. As in, like, it's as it, it, it's 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 a uh, um, and I don't see this too this too lately. As in, there's only a few people in my line of work, my life, uh, uh, professionally, network, whatever you want to call it, um, that I look up to in terms of mindset and like everything within that realm. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that that long form conversation, like I. Uh, I'm not going to be like a like a brain surgeon trying to pick your brain, um, but <laughs> I think context is key uh, yes. in, in all this, and um, you cannot extract that in ten minutes, obviously, especially with with a person like yourself, Lisa uh, Ngami. He, thank you so much for 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 being for being with thank us uh, um, and and for your for your time for your work and yeah, let's let's keep let's stay in touch. And talk. Yeah, and love you, brother. Love you. Yep. Thank you. Bye. That's it. That's it. My friends, if this, yeah, obviously, this is the end of the episode. If you sat through all four hours of it, I salute you. Um, let me know. Um, you gotta send me a tweet at Gomaluku. Let me know. I have to reward you in some way for that. Because this is, um, I've never done this before. Um, and I'm actually thinking, I've, I have so many ideas. I'm thinking I'm doing more of these marathons, one-on-one conversations, answering one singular question. Um, so, yeah, hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you listened to it or watched it, it's also on YouTube as well. Um, but if you consume this entire four hours, um, let me know. I salute you. I thank you so much for your time and yeah catch you on the next episode have a great day